Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hikara, and this is episode number 100. So we're at the big 100, very cool milestone, and this episode is a special one with Brian Sheehan of um, uh, Sheehan, I guess probably a better way to pronounce it, but uh, also known as Ledger Domain Art. He's also uh, the vocalist for the band Fell Ruin, and... um, yeah, we recorded this episode a little bit ago, but it's an awesome episode. <clears throat> awesome talking to Brian. Definitely going to have him back on uh, 100%. We talked about art and uh, music, and we definitely got into his art career with Ledger Domain and also his w- n- uh, video work he's doing now. And, of course, Brian's done some amazing artwork for um, uh, and videos for bands like Incantation. And, very importantly for me, the front cover for the Strigoi album, uh, Viscera, which is one of my favorite albums of uh, 2022. And uh, I absolutely love the cover he did for that. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that was actually kind of how I got into his artwork was through uh, through that, that uh, art, I believe. I think we might have been following each other before that, but uh, I really put it together. I was like, okay, cool. This is awesome. Like, I really like your work. Definitely happy to have him on. We also get into the influence of the movie Begotten, which is a big favorite of mine and a favorite of his, and we get into that as well. But yeah, just a lot of cool stuff. Really cool conversation. Really happy to have him on, and I'm definitely looking forward to to my next conversation with them as well. And I hope everybody enjoys it. And uh, yeah, I think it's a really cool episode 100 for for everybody. Um, And uh, yeah, so that's what's going on this week. Uh, on the podcast, I uh, kind of slowing down right at this moment until I get caught up. So we're probably gonna stick to more of a weekly, except for maybe um, some of the monthly episodes like the Satanism and spirituality or or um, horror hotel, which we're behind a month because I get, just because it's been kind of busy this month. But uh, yeah. We got some stuff coming up, um, and I just put out an episode on Patreon all about my top fifteen fantasy novels, so you can check that out. Uh, just on the Patreon, which of course I'll talk about at the end of this section. But anyways, so yeah, I guess we'll do the plugs and then get into the episode. Um, obviously, uh, I'm part of a, a gang of podcasters called the Horsemen of the Podcast Apocalypse, which is every other Monday. You got Horror Wolf 666, Brandon Legion. Every Tuesday, you have Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Schmidt. Uh, Every Wednesday, you have Everything Went Black with Mike Hill. And of course, Mike and I have our series that we split um, between between Everything Went Black and Soul Knox called Darkness Weaves, all about the work of Carl Edward Wagner. I just finished reading the next one, which we'll be recording soon as uh, Mike's going on tour with Tombs. I just read the next story in the collection. I think it's called The Demon Moon. Fucking amazing. Or Demon Lord's Moon. I forget the name. Uh, amazing story, as always. Uh, speaking of that top 15 fantasy, I think once I actually finish reading all the Kane stuff, I think that's going to be probably in my in my top, you know, right up there with a bunch of, of the other top stuff. So, you know, maybe eventually I'll redo that list. Um, but, yeah, after I read some more stuff. But anyways, Thursdays you have Necromaniacs with Mike Hill, Mike Scandato, and Jeff Kashid. And uh, Fridays you have Spitball Media 
um, with John Draper. And then at Intermediate Times, when he has an episode to put out, you got Iblis Manifestations with Cheyenne of Trivax. And I should be on uh, Cheyenne's podcast very soon. We recorded an episode. Uh, it's a very spicy episode, so to say. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so look forward to that. And um, and then uh, also not a horseman, but uh, an associate would be Mycelium Signal with Constantine Tuonohovi from uh, the Tuonemporti Collective. Um, and, uh, yeah, should be recording an episode of him very soon as well. And um, please follow and share everybody on social media. Be sure to rate the episode, um, the podcast, including this one, on Spotify, as that helps with the uh, algorithm bullshit. Um, and you can find me on social social media on Instagram at either my name or at Denver Underground Radio, which is the online radio station I run. And we do shows live every Tuesday and Thursday night, starting at 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 11 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and you can tune in live at um, denverundergroundradio.com when we're doing them. And then you can um, go on Instagram. You can see all the playlists for everything. You can also get uh, links to all the Spotify playlists as well um, with, and within the story archive. And, uh, yeah, I should probably start adding the... Uh, the playlist links on the the posts when I post them, but it doesn't really help you on Instagram, but I guess it helps you on Facebook. But um, but yeah, so check all that out. And then uh, finally, I have a Patreon, like I said earlier, at patreon.com forward slash Soul Knox Podcast. $2 a month, and you get two to four bonus episodes. I had a couple months where I was a little slow on stuff because I've been busy, but we're back at it. Like I said, with that top 15 fantasy novel series on there, and uh, there's going to be more to come. I'm just going to try to think of cool stuff that wouldn't, you know, just put it on the Patreon, like something like that. I just I thought of it one day, and the next day I was like, yeah, let's do this. So I'm going to try to get more stuff like that up on the Patreon. And um, so, yeah, before we get into the ep- uh, interview with, uh, with Brian, um, I'm going to play a song from his band Fell Ruin. Um, and this song is called stain the field so i hope you guys enjoy and um yeah we we will uh yeah i hope you guys enjoy the episode and um yeah always never forget hail satan
Cool. Well, welcome to Solnox. Pleasure to have you on on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, man, we've been uh, been a fan of your artwork for a while now, and we've kind of been you know communicating on uh, on Instagram for a little bit, and I was like, I should get you on. I mean, I also been checking out your music, The Fell Ruin, as well, which is really great. So, well, thanks for checking out. Yeah, yeah. It's like I guess I can say I'm a fan of all your creative endeavors, your your art, your music, everything. So, uh, thanks. Yeah, um, jack of all trades, master of none. But um, <laughs> um, I like it all. Um, even, like doing the music is, uh, um, I would say, a little bit more of a. Um, I kind of started doing that first before the visual thing and the visual stuff kind of came into play for like the necessity for visuals, not just for my band, but other, you know, previous endeavors and whatnot. And then, uh, um, and then this one, of course, and thankful to have uh, very trusting bandmates that, you know, they'll tell me if they don't like it, but it's cool to kind of have that trust and let me do that aspect of it. So. Right. Well, yeah. if you're, you know, I think you write the lyrics and everything for it as well, right? And uh, correct. Yep. Yeah. You're kind of you're kind of setting that uh, aesthetic, um, and uh, themes and what everything's about through your lyrics, and then it's nice that you have that ability to do the same through the artwork as well. You kind of can. It's kind of more of a a total expression, if that makes sense. You know. Yeah. No. It's um. um... I've never really been good at explaining things like what things are about, not to sound all David Lynchian about it, but it's, I love, I love his kind of like approach to um, like how he explains not explaining things where it's uh, um, things, you know, me putting it into words is the lyrics, me explaining it any differently kind of cheapens it. So it's like cool to kind of still get to elaborate on that more visually, which I've always kind of, felt a little bit more um um like it sounds a little cliche to say like i listen to music visually but i've always been a visual person so it's uh you know when you're listening to music you're kind of hearing things and like visualizing things all the time and just feels natural to do it and it's like i said it's just cool that bandmates let me do it not to say i, I have to have the monopoly on doing it all the time like we've still had you know friends do certain things whether it's t-shirt art and posters and on occasion and stuff but if I have my say, I like to do it and yeah. do the visual aspect of it too. Yeah. When did, I mean, it's like it's a good idea. When did we, then when did you get started with, so you said you're doing music first and then you got into to visual art or? Well, well, kind of, uh, I mean, um, when I was younger, I was drawing all the time and whatnot, but it wasn't really anything that I was, you know, um, not as serious about as I guess I am now where I'm really pushing it and trying to get it out there and, you know, trying to make a living out of it. Um, but when I started being in, uh, performing in bands, um, it was like, Hey, we need a album art. We need t-shirt art. And at the time, you know, very limited resources, AKA lack of money. It was just kind of, um, you know, me just kind of figuring out ways of doing things. And, you know, um, at this point it's that early stuff, at least for like the early bands, isn't really anything I'm necessarily, uh, um, proud of anymore so right. <laughs> <laughs> i won't be sharing too much of that but uh you know over time you just kind of fall in love with it and you just kind of find yourself doing something every day and it just kind of naturally you know gets better on its own you know the whole thing of you know if you want to get good at something go somewhere and suck at it for a while and stay committed to it and eventually gets 
to the point where you're proud of it and you want to share it and other people kind of pick up on it. And, um, yeah, it's been about, I would say at least under like the art alias banner, the ledger domain banner, it's been, uh, almost 10 years, like kind of pushing it in that regards and stuff. But, and then with fell ruin, um, um, fell ruins going on nine years, uh, well, almost 10 years now. You know, I started practicing with them and trying out for them in like 2014. So almost 10 years. Yeah. Almost, uh, almost around the same time. Yeah. A little bit. Right. Yeah. So kind of, mm-hmm. they've kind of grown with each other in a way. Yeah. 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 Cause you, and so you do, I know you do a lot of photography, like photographic work, which is awesome. Like you're doing like pretty interesting creepy images with models and then doing all the type of editing and stuff like that and do you yeah. do pa- painting and um and uh, that kind of stuff as well um admittedly not as much as i used to nowadays um most of the stuff that i'm doing is the um at least the medium that's being presented the photography aspect of it it's more digital than anything um but as far as like the drawing and the painting and like the hands-on part, um, that kind of comes into doing the costume and prop making, the makeup, you know, staying hands-on beforehand, and which I kind of feel like is the art form. It's like photography is almost like secondary as far as like the presentation of it. You know, it's uh, the act of making it and then having the whoever you're working with, that collaboration of it is kind of like, what I'm showcasing, but, um, I love the post aspect of it, like doing all the photo manipulation, digital collage, that kind of stuff afterwards and manipulate, like really spending time with stuff afterwards and editing the shit out of it, you know? So, right. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the first line of, of, of creation is the creating the, 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 like you said, the, whatever, the, what everyone's wearing the, the, city, yeah. the, the place and then also the way that you frame a shot right and then, right yeah. and from that point you're kind of yeah. not editing the um yeah like are you familiar with william mortensen the the old uh he's like a photographer he's like uh oh yes, oh, yes. yep yeah so now i know exactly who you're talking about yeah yeah anton levy talked about him a lot i feel like yeah. a lot of his his work was like that where he did like primarily like either in studio or in like certain environments and created these whole environments. But then it was all about the, the layout of the, the image. And then he would do a lot of type of manipulation of the image afterwards uh, with what you could do back then, you know, like with um, doing various different techniques and doing oh, yeah. with, like, with the film, like some of his images have like the kind of degraded quality and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the, um, um, correct me if I'm wrong. That's, uh, just, I get my names mixed up, but, uh, he is the one that does the, um, he's got the, the famous, almost like gorilla man with like the, the damsel in distress kind of stretched across on the ground. And then, that um, uh, the emperor kind of thing too. Um, yeah. I guess the book, uh, the command to look, I'm going to pull him up really quick. A lot of his images are really cool. I could see him really, if he was okay, around yeah. the day. Yeah. yeah, I could see him really loving all the digital photography stuff nowadays. So he could like really make his stuff like even more, uh, 
you know experimental i, I yeah. felt like i really like his book took the command to look because it's it's a really even if you're not doing photography you're just doing art or anything like that there's a lot of really interesting um ideas that he has into it about how to how to get people to look at your artwork you know with the, the type of uh he uses like was it sentiment wonder and sex or something like that or some of the and i think uh you could probably add like fear as well i think but okay you know, yeah like, no i've uh, I'm not read the book but i'll have to definitely read the book now that's awesome that's pretty cool um, yeah i always think about how um especially like artists that i've kind of you know grown up learning to love that what they would do or if they would use the tools that we kind of have today or if they would just kind of scoff and be like no no that's not how we do things or if it's you know or if even having those tools would still get the end result of said person making what you know you and i come to love from what they do you know yeah well i think uh yeah, I think it depends. I think some artists probably be some part, artists would probably prefer even to the state. There's a lot of people who prefer to do stuff more hands on, like you know, right. like with like put um photo, photographic development and stuff like that. You know, so right. yeah. or like yeah. or like physical collages, stuff like that. Like, but uh, I don't think there's any real right or wrong with those things. You know, and it's just how you what you're doing and what feels comfortable and what, what inspires you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, at the, at the end of the day, it's, uh, do I like it or not? And I've never really been, uh, too concerned with like how I got there. Um, even the, um, I haven't really, I, I haven't used it at all really in my, uh, in my work. Uh, but it's kind of hard to avoid it these days, AI stuff. And, um, just for what I do for a living, um, it's kind of become more apparent, like you kind of, you know, it seems like you kind of have to like at least learn your way around it because it's not going anywhere. Um, but even when that first started getting introduced and you started seeing the mid journey stuff, I immediately took a stand with everybody else where it was like, oh, this is the fucking end. The shit sucks. I, none of this, none of that. Um, but I, you know, again, I'm still not to the point where I'm still not completely sold on it and don't want to use it in mine. And I don't know how much of that is my genuine lack of interest in it, or if I'm being honest, me, like once I use it, people immediately are going to assume everything I do is that. And, and that's very important for me that it's <laughs> yeah. not, not the case at all. You know, it's, um, but it's, again, people would still look down on you because you're doing it digitally. Like I'm not doing you know, film and development and all that stuff at all, which is still cool and it's interesting, but um, just didn't have the uh, the time for it and the uh, let, let alone the space and resources for it. And um, I just love the freedom of the digital aspect and being able to do whatever I want with it. And ultimately, nowadays, it's going to be digital by the time you present it anyway. You're putting it online, you're getting it printed. Well, depends on if you're doing your own but yeah yeah i mean to do uh real photography like film you'd have to you'd have to have a space where you could create your own dark room and stuff today like because it's really hard yeah, to get yeah yep. you know particularly if you want to do fine art fine photography prints and stuff like that you'd have to be doing it yourself hands-on you know like, right my mom was a photojournalist you know back in the day and so she, 
she had when i was a kid like in the 90s she taught me how to like develop film and stuff like that like that's so cool yeah way. yeah yeah i don't, I don't remember, remember everything as well now but definitely was there with her like you know it's been a while since i've stuff. done it too. yeah but uh, it's, you... it's pretty cool i mean i like doing that i would love to be have that ability but you have to be realistic that uh yeah like not everybody you're not gonna you'd have to have a very specific way to set it up and everything to be able to do that you know yeah um did you guys have like a home setup doing it or was it at like a uh, a studio that she had well she worked for the newspapers so they usually had a dark room but then so they could take you in there and stuff and do it too that's cool yeah but then she did have a at one point in one of her houses she had a dark room set up in the basement like in the you know like washroom you know or the washer and stuff because they had like one of those big sinks and she could close it up and put a red light and then everything so nice yeah yeah space space is definitely uh one of my most sought sought after assets that it, <laughs> <laughs> um my problem with that was just kind of uh in the short time that i was trying to do it was uh you know the whole having to set up a space and clean it up when you were done and it was just not really you know yeah. conducive to that and stuff and you know it's like ultimately it's like man oh i just want to kind of start working with these images and all this and that and i'll still you know love to get back into it and try it again sometime um there's a artist i really like um uh, uh, gretchen heinel from uh new york um does a lot of really good um like film work and stuff and photography and yeah i mean it's definitely a, a cool art form. I mean, definitely to get certain types of the thing is that, to think about though is like say like we, I remember we were talking um, about Begotten, the movie Begotten, and like yeah. uh, if you read about how they made that movie, I mean, it was a pain in the ass like to, to do like all the all the uh, stuff nowadays. You could probably do that, do the same type of post effects that they did like you know, in a few clicks on, on a, on a computer, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and get kind of the same effect in a lot of ways. Yeah. I'm not really sure how they did it back then. Uh, nowadays it seems like, um, a little bit more, um, um, I don't want to say easier, but you know, there's tons of stuff that you can kind of achieve that a little bit easier than what I assume they used. Um, what I, you know, obviously it's no doubt, I think we've talked about this, but that's a huge visual influence on my work is, that movie um and even the director like some of his other works and stuff is amazing um um i mean in my opinion he made one of the best nasferatu movies ever right, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. um and then uh um what i another thing that i think is like that was originally supposed to be a uh, theatrical production it was supposed to be he wanted it to kind of be a dance and Ultimately, it sounded like because of funding and resources, it wasn't going to work. So you made a film out of it, which is pretty admirable to still want to try to do something, even if it's not the original you know, vision for it. So, yeah, I think a lot of the people in the movie were part of like this theater troupe or whatever. Like, and um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that movie is really impressive. So, I mean, and a lot of it was actually filmed on a uh, a construction site or something like that which, yeah yeah you couldn't tell watching it i mean just just the images yeah. from, from that from the movie are you know stick with you for your, your rest of your life and when you've seen it once i mean i remember seeing it and 
Uh, I was probably like 17 or 18 first time I saw that, and I was just like blown away by the uh, the imagery and everything from it. And like, just about the same time, I was like getting into black metal and stuff as well, and I felt like it was like a perfect something about that that visually just works so well with a lot of black and doom metal and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, I think I was slightly younger. I was a little bit younger. Um, I, I had, uh, um, the, the flea market VHS, um, bargain bin and I pulled it out and immediately was like struck by the, you know, the cover that stark red lettering and black and white imagery on it. And, uh, you know, bought it for, I think it was like $2 or something and, uh, um, took it home and, um, friend of mine was over and we watched it. He didn't like it. He left. And then I just kind of like stayed up watching it. And I was like, Oh, this is so, you know, at the time I was super impressionable and, Oh, this is just, um, it really kind of, uh, um, not to say like I based my identity around it, but it, it was definitely a game changer seeing it for the first time at such a young age too, it was, um, you know, and not even really comprehending what was going on, if I'm being honest at the time either. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, now it, you know, it's like, I just rewatched it, uh, over the summer and it's, you know, there's things that you're like, Oh man, I don't even remember this. I don't remember this or this aspect of it. Yeah. Um, I think, I think there's so much, so much imagery in it, overload of imagery that, I think you do have to watch it multiple times to really get everything out of it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, just even the, um, I think the fact that there is no dialogue in it actually helps its cause. But I think that was kind of like, at least for my friend where it was like, Oh, a silent movie. I can't watch this. And I was like, Oh yeah, it's <laughs> kind of what I grew. I, I grew up on like a lot of the, uh, the old universal monster movies and things like that. So the old black and whites and even like the silent film stuff prior, you know, prior. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't really that much of a stretch initially. It was just kind of, you know, not a, uh, you know, um, trying to think of what else was out at the time when I first saw that, probably late 90s. Um, you know, so it wasn't like, uh, you know. I know you did last summer or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like, I don't even, it's hard to even like categorize. Like I, I wouldn't consider it even like a horror movie. I would say it's more like a, uh, um, I don't know, just a weird kind of art piece that is kind of a, like, um, poetry without words, you know, it's just moving images that kind of have this, um, underlining meanings and stuff. And, you know, if you listen to interviews with him, I've only listened to a few, the uh, director, it uh, doesn't seem like he um, like he'll explain the same scene multiple ways. Like he never explains the same scene twice. Like it's not like he has like a definitive meaning, which I think is awesome. And I think that's another reason why I like it so much over time where it's like, it resonates differently with you every time you watch it. Yeah. Um, I feel yeah. like, I feel like it's made in a way to um, like, there's kind of a, you know, an underlying, plot of sorts of what's going on in a way but it's kind of like um i feel like i feel like i feel like he created it in a way that that it was like a pure expression where in a sense that um it's going to have multiple 
meanings in a lot of ways you know what i mean like it's um I'm trying to think how to what to ex how to explain it but it's like um when you're creating something that's i guess attempting to explicate something like on a spiritual level i feel like it's kind of which i feel like the movie is kind of doing in a lot of ways i feel like that can end up acquiring like new numerous like types of ways to interpret it if that makes sense you know yeah no exactly and I, again i think that's like why it's so effective and um uh, I think you and I might have even spoken about this previously, but the, um, um, you know, again, talking about the process and um, it seems like the general consensus of that is, um, you know, the point of making it was making it. And then what you and I are seeing, the finished product is just kind of secondary, like a, you know, a happy circumstance of it, you know, where, um, the process of making it the ritual of making it in its own. And I, again, I think that's awesome because it's, you know, nothing's more fun than the actual process of doing something, of making something. And I think that's pretty admirable for them to, you know, kind of vocalize that too and say the same thing. Um, have you seen some of uh, his um, other works like the, uh, um, now that I'm on the spot, I'm going to draw blanks on the names, but <laughs> yeah, the, uh, uh, the other movies after Shadow of Vampire. Yes. Uh, well, Suspect Zero, but um, even like uh, the shorts and stuff that he did, I think you can actually find them on YouTube in full, if I'm not mistaken. Um, like, uh, I'm going to butcher the name. It's either uh, uh, something of Celestial. What am I going to just look it up? Am I drawing yeah, I was about to just, about to just look it up, man. Um, let's see. I'm trying to remember. I actually, I, so I actually Din of Cardinal Birds is one of them. That's the one yeah, I'm thinking of. Yeah. And um, let me see. He has a newer one too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, so he has, like you said, Suspect Zero is his full length movie after Shadow, and then he has Implosion, Spring Rain, and A Taste of Youth, which came out before Begotten. And then there's Den of Celestial Birds and Polia and Blastema, a cosmic opera. That's the newest one. That's one I've not seen yet. But um... then he did uh, music videos for two for Mar Marilyn Manson, and he did uh, one for Interpol, and then uh, the D Serpentina video for Danzig. Oh, I didn't realize he did the Danzig one, but uh, um, that Interpol video is interesting because it doesn't seem like him at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a uh, stark difference from uh you know not the music but the actual video it seems like such a stark difference from all the other creative output that he's done but i think that's awesome yeah, yeah. that serpentina video is one of my favorite dancing videos actually so i guess it makes sense that, that, he made that. yeah it's pretty cool it um has a really interesting um type of feeling to it and uh like uh kind of kind of actually in a lot of ways, like it's kind of like these models with like these inter really interesting kind of costumes in it, and the way that everything's put together is really artistic and. and pretty yeah, um, I'm, I'm I'm sure I've seen it. I just don't remember him. I didn't know it was like his. Uh, it was him directing it. So that um, as soon as we yeah, get off yeah. this, that's gonna be on my to do list of checking that out again. Yeah, definitely. I had no idea that he made that actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. I, I knew about the. Crypto Child and Antichrist Superstar ones from Ant Marilyn oh, Manson. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which I are mean, great. Um, th yeah. they, they're just amazing looking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Antichrist Superstar video is uh, amazing. Like, he did yeah. a really good job for that. Right. Um, it's uh, really interesting to see some of these, uh, like, directors that you kind of, you know, grow up admiring and then going back on IMDb and seeing some of their past work and, how many music videos a lot of them kind of got started doing and still continue to do in between feature films. Um, uh, David Fincher, for example, uh, I, from what I, it seems like he spent uh, at least five to 10 years before doing uh, Alien 3. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, just doing music videos and they're all, you know, for the most part, pretty awesome too. Yeah, I think he got he got started doing music videos, and I think he's done some since then. I think he did, because you know how he like collaborates with Nine, um, Nine Inch Nails. I think I think he did some Nine Inch Nails videos at some point, but I'm not sure yep. which ones. Yeah, yeah, I don't have this stuff up in front of me, and then it's like you know, you think about this stuff, but then when you're recording a podcast, you just all your, hmm. you know, little bits of information just kind of escape you. <laughs> yeah, you just gone gone at it. Yeah, um, yeah, the. The thing with like one of the things with Begotten that I've always been really attracted to the kind of harsh black and white type of Im full, like really c contrasted, you know, yeah. messed up types of images or, or really like, um, like even before I saw that movie, I was really in, into like Ingmar Bergman movies, you know, stuff like Hour of the Wolf and Persona and that kind of stuff, which has really kind of stark black and white photography often yeah. sometimes is like like uh there's that scene in hour of the wolf when the the like kid attacks uh max von Sydow like on the uh on the lakeside and he kills this like kid like and it's like super like bright like um harsh lighting like where they and it's just like that kind of stuff just works so well in black and white photography like that uh, yeah, I just really like that kind of imagery, you know. It sticks with you too, and um, you know, it's um, so much of that, even from the um, like older than like uh, Seventh Seal, for example. That's another big one too for me. Um, so much so where it's like little things from the those kind of uh, stick with you, and it's like even in Seventh Seal, the depiction of death is um that visual aesthetic of you know the covered head but the frame exposed face um co costume wise fashion wise it's a huge that's always been a huge inspiration too where it's like i love that kind of look it almost makes the face look like it's a mask yeah um i can see that in your work a lot yeah yeah um but again it kind of you like for me, it kind of goes back just to kind of growing up and the old Universal monster movies, silent film stuff, and what have you. But um, I mean, that's that's how I got into horror originally was uh, seeing the Universal movies. So, like, yep. my dad, like, I think, well, the first thing I saw was I saw the Fantasia with like the Night on Bald Mountain at the end, and I used to rewind that part and just play that part over and over again with the devil yeah. and everything, you know. And my yeah. dad kind of realized that I liked a lot of, you know, that kind of stuff for like some of the darker cartoons in the, in the late 80s or the early 90s. And it was like, 
well, I guess I've sh- he kind of likes horror stuff, so I'm going to show, you know, I think that one of the, the f- first videotape we ever bought was a two-pack of Dracula and Frankenstein. When I was, oh. you know, early 90s when those were just first coming out in VHS. Yeah. And uh, that was my, you know, I was obsessed with all the universal horror. And then I remember seeing Nosferatu, you know, I was obsessed with that. When is Nosferatu when you're for Halloween, you know? Oh, uh, cool. Do you have a long finger? Uh, finger no, I didn't have that, but I had I had a mask that kind of looked like him. And then, uh, cool. you know, I had a coat that could make it kind of like the collar. I was kind of, I guess, a little bit modeled after the, a little bit more off the Koskinski, you know, 1979 Nosferatu with the costume. but Which is great. Um, yeah, I love that movie. That's kind, of, that's kind of like a comfort movie for me. Like I can uh, put that on and fall asleep to it pretty often. I don't know why. The the soundtrack for it's amazing. Yeah. Um, have you seen the sequel to that? Um, uh, sequel to that? <laughs> yeah, it's called, like Nosferatu in Venice or something like that. No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, um, give it a shot. Uh, it's not uh, Werner Herzog, um, but it's got Klaus in it. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that. It's okay if you haven't. Hearing Nosferatu in Venice almost reminds me of like Death in Venice, but Nosferatu in Venice instead. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen it, but if I'm not mistaken, it's kind of a uh, um, they get brought, uh, you know, he gets brought back for somebody else's gain or attempting to gain and just let loose on venice and just you know i'm kind of like a montage of klaus just kind of going around venice and Murdering seducing young yeah okay. <laughs> you know, klaus, can, klaus can see was in a lot of a lot of crazy movies back in the you know in that time period so yeah i last last no it was earlier this year i was got it was like on a western kick and i was like watching a bunch of his uh his spaghetti westerns that he did or spanish what some of them were spanish some of them were italian westerns i was like i had no idea koskinski was in all these like westerns that he was uh, i didn't either to be honest with you uh i'll have to check some of those out um so the one that's really good is called uh, it's called and god said the cane okay cool it's, it's an awesome title it's basically a kind of horror western it's kind of similar in plot to like pale um high plains drifter in a lot of ways you know like that kind of horror western which is my my favorite type of western is that kind of darker yeah stuff you know yeah hell yeah no i'll have to check that out too then um i recently started uh just because i kind of slept on a lot of his work for whatever reason just never really um caught much of it with the exception of nasratu so it's relatively uh, recently that I started kind of watching some of the other films, but they're all mostly like the Herzog collaboration ones. Um, yeah, like Aguirre, so, Ag- Wrath of God, and yeah, stuff like uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's awesome. It's um, something to be said about a character that doesn't really need to say much, but then almost just kind of like exist on camera, and you're able to kind of discern what's going on and discern what that person's going through and he's especially in that uh um the one that you just mentioned um they're like floating down the river the amazon one yeah um and that one he very little you know says very little in it at least in like the first and second act um but you get the vibe really quick that he's just not somebody to be trifled with and then he's gonna kind of 
you know, yeah, take he over. A, he was a fucking maniac. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> too. That's what I heard. Yeah, I've not yeah. seen. Uh, um, it's on my list with him too. Is that uh, um, I forget the name of, it, but it's the Herzog. Uh, my best fiend or something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's a. <laughs> The infamous image of him choking out Herzog, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot of stories about how how like psychotic he was. Like <laughs> it's like some you know nowadays like actors can get away with being that way, but but they could last back then. That's for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah the. The imagery in Nosferatu, the vampire, is always yeah. I've always like felt like it was interesting too because you, um, I don't know. I guess it could relate to to the vampire in in that in that movie. You know what I mean? Like when he's talking about you know being alone in his castle and all this kinds of stuff. Like you could kind of like you could kind of understand like why he wants to get out. He's kind of like kind of lonely in yeah. a lot of ways, you know. But I love the imagery in that. Um, you know, like in original Nosferatu, when the plague comes, you know, you see like, you know, the people carrying the coffin down the street and some imagery like that. But Herzog really brought that up uh, Matt, to Max in the remake with like the people dancing in the street and it kind of creating like this like dance macabre and it has that whole. Yeah. You know, all the people at the table and um, I don't know, it just like felt like very much drawing upon all that kind of medieval imagery of the plague and everything, which I thought was awesome. Yeah. Incorporating that, not to mention the, uh, um, you know, Guinness book of world records for most rats used on a, on a set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Easy amounts of it. Um, even now, like when you revisit it and watch it, you're still like, like, Holy shit, how do they do this? Who's going to yeah. clean all that? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure wherever they filmed them ended up with a big rat infestation. <laughs> In that regards, the, 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 um, one of my favorite, um, lines actually from shadow of the vampire with, um, um, Defoe is when they're kind of, uh, the producers are kind of like sitting on a ledge drinking schnapps and he kind of come, comes up behind him and they, you know, they still don't believe him and he's still like, you know, hasn't really re revealed that he's an actual vampire, but he's still just, you know, doing that staying in character the whole time. And he comes up and he's like, I read that book and talks about how the saddest part in it was that um, this person that's been living alone for an eternity suddenly has to present himself as normal, like taking care of a guest and preparing food for him when he himself doesn't remember the taste of bread, I think is the exact line or, you know, can enjoy the splendors of wine and things like that. And then, you know, just grabs a bat out of the air and just starts sucking on it. And then they're like, oh, he's just a master of his craft. And he walks away. One <laughs> of the coolest scenes ever. Um, but. Yeah, that's a cool. I need to rewatch that movie. I haven't seen it in, in years, actually. It's pretty awesome. Um, so much so that, like, um, like Malkovich kind of kills it for, like, the first act. And then all of a sudden, Defoe comes on and just steals the show. And then it's like both of them for the whole movie, just kind of going back and forth. But yeah, it's amazing. Like it's, it's kind of a comedy, but not really. Like it's got some funny parts in it, but um, yeah, it's I don't know. It's pretty much it, it's up there. Like I I wouldn't pick a favorite between you know the three of them between that the 1979 Herzog and then the 
original silent film, but um, I would say out of all of them, I probably watched the two more, the 79 one and then shadow of the vampire more so than any of them. Yeah. yeah. I like, I like to watch the, uh, I guess the Kino version of, of Nosferatu where everything's like fixed, right. And has good soundtrack, you know, cause like the original one, cause you, there's definitely some horrible, horrible versions of the original Nosferatu with like, where the print's not quite right and there's none of the tints and then it's like the soundtrack's horrible. Like I remember one of the first times I watched Nosferatu, the soundtrack was like some horrible piano music, you know, and it didn't add atmosphere to it. As as cool as it would be to like have some ominous, like, you know, grainy, crappy sounding piano, it just, it gets hard trying to watch, you know, an hour and 20 minute movie if it's just like, crappy audio the whole time regardless of it's suiting the mood or not yeah yeah that, that that one did not it was like not suiting the what you saw at all so i would have to like <laughs> turn the music off and just like put on whatever to it yeah yeah like uh, that luckily eventually you know you could get like the proper good prints from kino and everything but yeah that very first version i bought when i was like a kid was like not very good <laughs> but i just i watched it still because i love the imagery you know but yeah, I probably definitely watched '79 probably more than the original, even. Right. Yeah, it's just uh, I, don't know, it's, it, I love the again. It's nothing against the old black and white one. I just the '79 one is just a uh, much more enjoyable. I think you know as far as like a it's a comfort movie for me. It's uh, what like sitting down and watching it. That's like even you just mentioned like some of those like creative liberties that you know Hertzard threw in with especially, you know, the town's kind of going crazy and she's walking around. You're like, I know the reason for all of this. And like, nobody cares. There's just rats everywhere and they're dancing in the streets. And Yeah. You know, and I, I love Isabella Johnny in that movie as, you know, had such a big crush on her growing up watching the movie and uh, the whole, a lot of the things she's wearing too are, I think are really funny are really cool that hers are kind of based a lot of that off of like, Raphaelite paintings and like some of some of her outfits and some of the shots like are actually like very similar to um I think like pre-Raphaelite paintings or you know old German and romantic paintings and stuff like that. I, I heard something about that. Yeah, that's all yeah, that's awesome. Um I had recently uh I think it was because of your suggestion um on one of the podcasts, Possession. Oh yeah, Possession's amazing. I finally watched it. I, don't, I can't believe I slept on it for so long. Yeah, it's an amazing movie. I love it. Yeah, movie. yeah, it was great. Um, it was um, admittedly when I first kind of started it, it's like you know, there was a whole uh, the relationship drama between the two of them and Sam Neill, and I uh, it was just kind of like, oh man, I don't know if I want to watch a whole movie about this, and I'm glad I stuck it out. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got to stick out yeah. them, you know, yelling at not, each other. Not to for anybody, but holy shit, yeah, it was really it kind of. I'm surprised that secret wasn't ruined for me previously, like for as long as it's been out and that kind of twist that it's thrown in there. You had no idea about the, no, I had no idea. No, I knew there was <laughs> weird. Like, uh, like I, I just kind of wrote it off as like a, uh, um, like I like the, you know, the possession exorcism kind of story to an extent, but a lot of them are very hit or miss with me, especially like nowadays. I feel like a lot of stuff, it's kind of oversaturated much like how the zombie thing kind of, got oversaturated for a little bit where you know um but yeah i just i had no idea kind of slept on it and then 
like I said, when I was surprised by it, I was like, oh man, this is kind of a little bit of a little miracle that this did not get ruined for me. Like I didn't even see images or if I did see images, I never really put it two and two together. Right. You didn't realize what it was from. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's an amazing movie. Like uh, definitely an art, art horror, you know, it's not, it's definitely an art, art movie in a lot of ways. And yeah, I just love that movie. Like I love how, how heightened it is and intense and, as well as Johnny and Sam Neill are like a hundred and thousand percent, you know, like in just like so intense yeah. in the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's mm-hmm. a it's one of those movies that you watch it and you just kind of uh, you have to get kind of get drawn into it, you know what I mean? Like, and uh, but because it has kind of a very propulsive type of feeling and the way that cameras moving all the time, it really for me it really drives me in and keeps you like interested in the movie, you know? Yeah, it's it's like almost. Um... I don't want to use the word disorientating, but it kind of like forces you to kind of like stay with everybody and move around the way that like you just said, the way the camera's going. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, um, well, I'm sure it was an influence on Silent Hill. Like when you play the first, you know, three Silent Hill games, strictly the first two with the cameras kind of like moving around you and, you know, like it's kind of constant movement, which I'm sure I know that movies like Jacob's Ladder and, stuff like that was an influence on them. So I, I have a feeling possession is probably an influence on the creators of sound Hill as well, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Jacob's lighter is another one that I had to revisit. It's been a long time since that one. It's a great movie. It has some really cool imagery in it. Yeah. Um, speaking of like um, just cool imagery and then just director's creative um, liberties with the project, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Francis Ford Coppola one. Yeah, if, uh, it's hard for me to pick a favorite movie, but if my life depended on it, and somebody said, "Hey, Carl, what's Brian's favorite movie?" Just say that one, just okay. for the sake. <laughs> with, um, but um, just visually, everything like that movie—it kind of feels like a dream from start to finish. The way it's shot, the way it's like edited together, like the surrealist aspects of it—that's kind of thrown in there. Um, yeah. It, just all the practical stuff, especially, you know, in the early nineties when everybody was pushing for that CGI stuff. And, you know, I think he famously fired his original art department or creative team that wanted to strictly do everything in CGI and hired his son on to do all that stuff instead and worked out. Yeah. They wanted to, he wanted to use stuff that would, was only available for that people could have used that, you know, in the, early 1900s basically you know so it's all in everything in that movie is in camera like every single effect and um yeah you guys art director people are like we can't do that like we don't know how to do that and so he hired a son and son like killed it yeah he figured out how all the stuff was done back in the day and and uh show that those types of techniques that movies used to use still works particularly nowadays with the added technology of um greater you know cosmic effect you know like um cosmetics and you know um practical effects that come a long way so they made it even more effective using all these old techniques which i thought was amazing yeah um and again i'm not against cgi by any means but um um it's it's really difficult to kind of do it in a way that doesn't take you out of it you know um I mean, a good a prime example is that where it's just like if they had made um, some of those creatures 
CGI instead of actual practical. It might not have had that same effect as it did on me when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, and still not watching it probably wouldn't have la- you know stayed you know wouldn't well, have I, dated uh, aged well. Yeah, well, I just think look at the movie like Van Helsing, which used all CGI werewolves and all that kind of stuff, and then. I mean, then you look at Bram Stoker's Dracula and like, you know, Gary Oldman as like the werewolf figure, like still works and still looks great. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, the, uh, you know, the, the Van Helsing movie has its place, but you know, ultimately it's not, does not hold up at all. <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember, I haven't seen that in probably 15 years, but I remember, uh, I remember not hating it for what it was. It was a fun adventure movie. I remember it had one scene that I really liked, which was like a vampire masquerade where everybody's like dance, all the vampires, and you could see them dancing in the the mirror or whatever, you know, which I yeah. thought was kind of cool scene. But that's that's the only scene I remember like really thinking was really cool. But well, I um, I mean, when was that? That was like two thousand four, well, almost twenty years ago. Um, the before it came out, the director was like the same guy that did like the first two mummy movies, which I unapologetically still love. Yeah, um, I love those movies. Yeah. Those are great. Um, yeah, they're just they're fun action movies, you know. And, um, and him tackling a lot of those, you know, like staying true to like the Universal franchise of those stories and those characters, um, did pretty well, I would say, in that regard. But yeah, it's not. I don't. I don't remember. I didn't hate it. You know, I just, but do you have to, even the mummy movies, even though they're, I really like them, the CGI is not super great in those movies. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) you know, you can, you can, you can like a movie and also accept the fact that it has kind of crappy CGI, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of the, I don't even know if uh, suspension of disbelief is the right word for it, but um, you just kind of go with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, the 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 mummy movies I like a lot because they kind of remind me of, um, you know, like some of like uh, Robert E. Howard's like kind of um, contemporary like Middle East adventure stories, and you know he has like a horror story that's kind of set in just the Middle East somewhere like that, and you know just things like that, like kind of pulp adventure stuff from like the '30s and '40s. Yeah, no, so it's like, very much up in that alley. Yeah, yeah, which, that's why I like the mummy movies because they have that that feeling, you know. I think for me, it was, uh, um, you know, my love and appreciation for the uh, um, the first few uh, Indiana Jones movies. It had that kind of like action adventure. Yeah. Um, you know, I was at the time really obsessed with um, Egyptian stuff and uh, ancient Egyptian things. And uh, yeah, just and kind of hit the right spots. Um, but yeah, Van, Van Helsing does not hold up to that. <laughs> yeah, no, probably not as good. Well, but one, yeah, um, one day I'll have to rewatch it though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah. I mean, like, I think um, practical effects just just generally tend to work look better in movies. But but you do have the exceptions. Like I think it's how people use CGI. Like um, like um, I was just rewatching uh. The Band of Brothers like series about like the World War Two series, and which is great. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember. yeah, it's like probably one of the best World War Two things ever made, you know. And and some of that stuff like like 
you don't even realize is CGI was CGI, you know, like at all. Like I had no idea. And then I was listening to something about it and they're like, yeah, the, you know, all the planes in the background that scene were all CGI. And I was like, you watch it and you have no idea, you know, like, yeah, so they did. It's done tastefully. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. We're like, I think even, yeah, stuff like that. I feel like that's like the proper use of CGI, which I think, um, it seemed like it was funny because Steven Spielberg seemed to realize that in that time period doing same Pride Ryan or Jurassic Park or stuff where it's like, that's a proper amount of CGI. And then he did later movies that had just like CGI vomited all over the movies. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, now even, um, the, you know, the first Jurassic Park that still kind of holds up CGI wise. Yeah, it does. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Like, um, it's crazy. Some of the early CGI, like Terminator two, um yeah like jurassic park stuff like that uh some of that early cgi somehow manages to look better than cgi being made today and so it's kind of fun. right with the well um most recent exception being um pretty excited for godzilla minus one um and that's all cgi and the cgi and that actually looks pretty amazing so i'm pretty excited to see it um yeah well, it's, I mean, nowadays, like, video games look, look like almost, like, photorealistic, so. Yeah, and they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's crazy. Um, it's, even in um, um, a lot of the video work that we started doing, uh, primarily, like, music videos, uh, we haven't really gotten to the point where we are um, able to do CGI besides little accents, whether it's, like, digitally adding in some flies swarming around like something subtle but um doing something where it's like a complete cgi creature or cgi character is still kind of like beyond us so it's like the the practical way of doing it always kind of appealed of like making things that way and kind of shooting it and lighting it in interesting ways that yeah. sells it still and you know yeah and i think personally i think that i like that better i even like puppets and stuff like that you know? oh yeah things like that better than a CGI creature generally, you know, like, right. Yeah. And obviously there's sometimes where it just is easier for people to do a CGI creature, but you know, particularly if you're doing like the music video and your style and stuff like that, I feel like doing practical imagery will just probably just where it looks better, you know, it's more, gives it more of that yeah. artistic feeling, you know? Again. Yeah. And it's kind of like our way of, um, you know, still keeping it hands-on and like, you know, make, still making things on our own and having it in. Um, but again, a lot, at least for us, a lot of it's just kind of um, just out of necessity. Like we haven't quite learned how to do CGI yet. Um, aside from, like I said, just little accents here and there, but not opposed to it, but I'm going to do the practical thing for as long as we can. Right. Yeah. Cause you did, uh, you did some of the stuff for Incantation recently, right? Or are you yep. part of that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We, uh, so, um, my business slash creative partner, Nate C. Slack, uh, and I have a production company called The Coin. Um, and we kind of started off doing, um, art shows. And then because of the pandemic, forced us to kind of reevaluate and pursue some other interests. So, mainly filmmaking. Um, and, just kind of started getting commissions for music videos and it's been crazy. Um, that was actually because of, uh, 
um, Enrique at Relapse kind of, we had done some stuff for Temple of Void that was on Relapse and uh, he kind of put us in touch with them and they had some very specific stuff. Um, I don't know if, if, how much how much you dig into the incantation stuff, but they're very specific with their, um, you know, like what, what, are, what everything is about, their artwork, their lyrics, all this stuff. And so much so that they have their, on their newest one, it's just story. Every song's like a different chapter, yeah. but they reevaluate. Like, so they kept all the Roman numerals for the songs, but shifted the order of them all around. So none of the, you know, it's not in sequential order of the story just because it like works better sonically. Like the songs flow together with this order a little bit more, but um it was really cool. We got to do two videos for them and they kind of worked as like a, uh, based on the budget they had and what we, the time that we had and what they wanted to do, of course, kind of made them seem like they were part one and two of the same narrative. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I remember that hearing that they have a whole storyline for this. Cause I know, um, was it his name? Is it Chuck? The bass player? He's the one who does all the lyrics. Yep. Lyrics. And he's like, he gets really, really in deep with everything like with like mythology and all these different different things which is pretty cool I, I like i feel like once he joined like incantation really gained a lot of uh focus on that front you know with the lyrics and with the subjects and everything you know what i mean yeah and um i actually uh just saw they just played here last night i just saw him um chuck was not there neither was trial but um you know they have different people filling in for him on tour but they're still very, you know, they're still in the records, still, you know, they were there for the video and all that kind of stuff. Still very much involved. Um, so, so did you guys, so did you guys get to hang out and like, like doing the, doing the video, like filming them performing and everything like that? Yeah. So they came up from um, um, like early June, they came up and uh, we filmed both, both of the performance parts for the two songs in one day, just two different setups in the same building just to kind of mix it up between the two. Um, they were really cool. Um, you know, it's, it's all seriousness. And then what I find that kind of helps not even just our own reservations, but what kind of breaks people down as far as like, you know, let their guard down is when you start talking about movies and when you find camaraderie in that, like even more so than music, it's weird. Um, um, you know, you just start, casually quoting movies and eventually somebody um i think not uh kyle um kind of chimed in on it and uh and it was just kind of you know they're they're good dudes very uh very down to earth they know what they want um but they also um are open to your input you know so it wasn't like you know they commissioned us to make these videos. They weren't just kind of like holding our hand and like making us do things for them. They had some specific imagery, but they still like allowed us to kind of do our thing and put our kind of touch on it and stuff, which was really cool. And, and again, that was a uh, begotten was a big thing that they had kind of cited as an inspiration that they wanted to kind of include. So we were like, okay, yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. No problem. Yes. Yeah. I guess we can do that. Yeah. I mean, the imagery for those videos is awesome. Like, I love the, love the way they look like definitely it kind of reminded me very much of uh also just like old silent film you know like type of type of look to it you know like thanks yeah and you know all that kind of stuff you know what i mean 
Yeah. Uh, so that was actually another big, uh, Faust was another, that was a, a, a uh, um, like whenever we kind of set out to do these, um, you know, we speak the language of things that are already manifested and using them as examples, not saying that we're going to recreate something or copy something, but saying like, Hey, we want to do something that has this kind of grainy high contrast look of begotten save so much more time than trying to dance around, you know, not mentioning a movie or something. Yeah. Um, the, the Faust one, uh, Faust one was another big, especially for the uh, concordant video with, you know, the scholar in the library and that kind of thing. And yeah, that's, that's why it reminded me a lot of, yeah. of Faust like the Murnau. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for saying so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw, I actually just watched, rewatched that movie last year so. It's pretty fresh in my mind. We had it on in the background for a Halloween thing that we were hosting here in our house. And uh, I wasn't able to like pay attention to it. But every time I'd walk in the room, I'd kind of get lost in it and be like, oh, yeah, we're, ain't, we're entertaining guests. And <laughs> then kind of had to go back to it. But um, no, it's a great one. Um, just even that awesome scene of, you know, the, um, um, you know, basically Lucifer archetype kind of like hovering around and it's got that big you know the wingspan that's almost like built like it's not moving it's almost like the actor's kind of like this thing is built around the actor and it's like that shot is awesome yeah, um that's one of my love, favorite parts yeah. where he's hovering over the town yep yeah yeah that's one of my favorite some of my favorite scenes and imagery and that is that part where he's hovering over the town and it's like the big black wings and then yeah. when faust goes to the crossroads to do to conjure the devil or whatever and he comes across the the guy playing Mephistopheles and he's sitting there in the, the field or whatever and his eyes are glowing it's very creepy and that was something i guess we're now based off of uh, uh old folklore he had heard when he was growing up that supernatural entities like and demons and stuff have like glowing eyes and so if you watch nosferatu as well there's parts where where uh where Orok has uh, glowing eyes as well. So it's something that Murnau kind of put in his supernatural movies, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, we just did something over the weekend for a band, uh, and that was kind of a big part of that too, is the more they, you know, keeping that silhouette, the shape where it's kind of hard to tell what's going on, except for like the figure, the shape of it, but the glowing eyes, you know, um, um, love that kind of stuff. Um, and it's even that kind of like... Um, personification of um you know quote unquote evil um where it's it's just a shadow it's you know it doesn't have to be this crazy as much as i love the crazy you know crazy creature feature and like elaborate design and all that kind of stuff sometimes it's really cool and the stuff that actually kind of like stays with me a little bit longer is the stuff that's like um you know it's more of a shadow it's more implied and it's kind of like leaves it up to your imagination and what's happening. And yeah. I don't know again if, how much of that kind of just goes back to, you know, the old silent film and even like the old universal stuff of like not necessarily being able to show the kill, but insinuating it, you know, right. and like, kind of like oh, it, it, you can get away with so much more by doing that. And it can be some, you know, just by adding some sound or doing a crazy silhouette of it or a shadow projected onto something. And, yeah. Well, I think about, um, uh, Black Cat, you know that that uh, Universal movie. It's been a long time. Yeah, 
that was one of my favorites. Like I watch it every year um, for Halloween season. And um, the, the end of that, I mean, it literally, that movie, it, you makes you wonder how they even got away with it in the 1930s because it literally is, you know, Karloff has basically, it was a guy sold at, they were fighting World War One. He basically sold out Bela Lugosi and the men, essentially, Belgosi went to a prison war camp, was in there for a few years, and then um, he comes back and it's like Karloff has stolen his wife, and then he's like murdered her and like kept her body like in this like, you know, case or whatever. And then is uh, then Lugosi's daughter, now he's married her. <laughs> so it's kind of like a little bit of like weird incest stuff going on in it. It's been, then, a, it's been a while since I've seen that one. Is that pre-code? Uh, no, it would have been after the code. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, that, that's crazy then, yeah. Yeah, and then at the end, like, uh, Lugosi basically flays Karloff alive. And so all you see is him strapped up to the thing, and then you see the shadow against the wall of, like, and Karloff, like, screaming. Yeah, and I like, do. Yeah, yeah. Like, even in 34 or whatever, that would have been... You know, even today, it's kind of like pretty horrific. But I mean, back then, I mean, it's hard to imagine how they got that movie past the censors in 1934 yeah. or whatever, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. I want some other things. It's, I, I don't know. Um, you know, it, 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 it's weird because um, um, like I'm, I'm very thankful to be, uh, you know, alive today and be surrounded by the stuff that's coming out today and be a part of it. But um, it does kind of make you wonder if it's like, were people still facing these same kind of challenges back then with censorship? Or is it much, or is it much worse? Or is it just kind of like more of the same that we're still facing? You know, it's, you know, people are still trying to get movies banned. People are still trying to censor things. You know, there's still the rating system for one where it's, you know, yeah. things, not everything sell, you can go get, uh, can go through because of whatever's happening and for whatever reason, but. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's like a, a kind of pendulum that swings like with the censorship stuff like um I you know, like in the seventies was a pretty wild time where there wasn't a lot of censorship and even up to the early eighties where people were getting away with all kinds of stuff in film, you know, like it was pretty you know, that kind of liberal idea of like art art being free and nothing being forbidden stuff was pretty big thing then. And I think through the late 80s, it kind of swung back the other way where you had a lot of conservative, you know, reaction going on in the later half of the 80s. And then I feel like the 90s was kind of a little bit of both because you had like the PMRC and you had all that kind of stuff going on. But at the same time, you also had the rise of, you know, you know, guys like Tarantino and a lot like, you know, 90s is a pretty wild time for for movies, too, you know. Yeah. But um... you still had that conservative type of thing going on. But then, so I think it's just always swinging back and forth. Early 2000s is pretty, pretty, there was a lot of censorship. But then, you know, nowadays right. it's kind of like censorship from two sides because you have the conservative, you know, Christian censorship. And then you have the like far left, like, you know, um, Trump, everything needs to be inclusive type of censorship going on, you know. So it's kind of like you're getting it from both the left and the right, you know. Yeah. Um, I think with um, a, maybe a big part of that kind of loosening up in like the late seventies, early eighties might've been like that kind of, um, you know, the, uh, the, the VHS and like straight to straight to video market, you know, too, where, 
it kind of allowed a little bit more stuff to kind of like get through and whatnot. But Dan, I don't know what I'm talking about, so it might not be the case. I'm probably still subject to the same stuff. Um, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, some of that probably did have a part of that too. And, uh, I think too, like you had a period where the rating system was kind of, uh, kind of weird, you know what I mean? And, but you could still have stuff being not rated and go to theaters. Like, you know, like, um, you know, George Romero never had any of his movies rated until I think like land of the dead or something, you know what I mean? So like he released everything on rated rather than getting NC 17. So Oh, good uh, for him or, or x rating or whatever so but he still had success with you know dawn of the dead and you know stuff like that but um yeah i don't know i think i think too is just creative freedom you know people were late 60s 70s people are like you know fuck you to like all this like conservative stuff so like we're gonna be wild and you know movies were pretty pretty crazy back then you know <laughs> right yeah um yeah it's kind of like uh um, I don't want to say like the golden age, but it did kind of go through like a renaissance of stuff. I mean, it's uh, like, I just, you know, I just spent October, you know, watching horror all year round. Um, I just spent October being very nostalgic and revisiting and rewatching a lot of stuff that I love. Um, one of them being, you know, you just mentioned Dawn of the Dead, the original one, still great. Um, um, the Omen, um, and then I wanted to revisit The Exorcist, but I haven't done that yet. Um, it was mostly because, you know, the new movie was coming out and I wanted to rewatch that one and the third one before going to see the new one, but I still haven't seen the new one yet, so it's okay. But, um, but yeah, that um, I mean, even that era of, like, the Hammer films, too, is kind of... Uh, um, I'd even... Uh, I think the, the most recent one we rewatched was the Dracula 8072 and that was kind of like a product of its times. It seemed like where it was, you know, yeah, very much. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, uh, the hammer movies definitely, I think were part of that loosening up, you know, in the late fifties through the sixties of that kind of stuff for sure. Like, you know, Oh, there's a movie that has like blood in it, you know, for the first time you're seeing like red blood and, you know, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Like, and I mean, in Prince of darkness, you literally have somebody hung up and, throat slit and their blood drained and to bring Dracula back to life, you know, which is it's pretty it's, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a cool scene. And, uh, uh, I mean, and of course I, I'm a big fan of all the, uh, really big fan of all the kind of vampire lesbian movies from the seventies, you know, stuff like vampire lovers and twins of evil and. Twins of evil is one I just watched too. Uh, there was one I had slept on, but I just watched it for the first time. It's awesome. I love the movie. Yeah. Like yeah. I love, I love the kind of, satanic ritual that the guy does and brings back his ancestors and becomes a vampire. It's, that's a cool scene. Yeah. Which I, I, I didn't realize that it was like, it had the, uh, um, you know, the vampire aspect of it until we were watching it. And I was like, Oh, holy shit. This is, I can't believe I slept on this. Um, yeah, that's an amazing movie. You know, like one production of the designs on it is incredible, especially for the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorite hammer movies actually. And it came out pretty late for hammer. So, but I think, you know, that's one of those movies I point to at people. You know, sometimes people try to say that Hammer stuff started slipping in the 70s. And I go, watch fucking watch Twins of Evil. Like, that's an amazing movie. And, you know, there's a bunch of those from that period of time that are great. And, of course, like, I always always love all the 
other things like in that vein, like, you know, Daughters of Darkness or uh, the genre. Have you seen that one? Uh, not in a long time. Again, you're, you're right now. Um, I'm kind of got like a little bit of a list going of like, Oh, I'm going to add, I'm going to rewatch this one. I'm going to revisit this one or I'm going to check this out. So yeah. yeah. Daughters of yeah. Darkness. I love that movie. Like a lot. That's one of my favorite movies. And then I'm, I'm a really big fan of Jean Roland, you know, of uh, the French director. Oh uh, yes. Um, um, admittedly, I had not really heard about his, um, I had seen a couple of his movies, not really knowing much about him and then realizing that that was kind of like a big reoccurring theme throughout his work was that that you just met the vampire slash lesbian kind of like, um, you know, yeah. based for the story and stuff. And yeah, there's a lot. And my, probably my favorite movie from him is fascination. That's a really beautiful, eerie movie. Um, yeah, that's uh, so very, uh, the, the poster of the uh, like the woman with the scythe, and then yeah, yeah, I love that movie. And um, uh, yeah, I actually, just I mean, I, some of his movies, like I watched a lot of them. I watched all of them, you know, like when I was like nineteen or something, eighteen, nineteen, like getting them on Netflix DVD, you know. So some of them, it's been a while since I've seen. So I've recently just purchased. Um, Three of them: Shiver the Vampire, Rape of the Vampire, and Requiem for the Vampire, which are kind of all three like really good movies. I hadn't seen them since since I was my teenager, so I'm looking forward to rewatching those. But uh, I also really like like Living Dead Girl, stuff like that. You know, yeah, recommend those movies. Yeah, no, um, I've only seen a couple of them. Uh, I think Fascination was one of them, Um, and then there was another one. one of the vampire ones. Name escapes me. Um, when it's like irrelevant days later, I'll be like, hey, that movie was blah, blah, blah. Right, yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you ever see the 1932 Carl Dreyer movie Vampire? Like with a Y, Vampire? Yeah. I love, I love that movie. I just watched yeah. that. That's another good one too. Yeah. I have the criterion for that. That has amazing imagery in it. You know, like just amazing photography and like there's a scene where he's in that place and there's like the shadows dancing on the wall and you're just like how did they even do this like it's one continuous shot and i don't even know how they did that in 1932 you know yeah um you know it's i don't know it might not even be as complicated as we're thinking but um one of the things from that um i forget what it's called um but they, you know, again, talking about like tools that they did back then that they did for Bram Stoker's Dracula and you know, bringing the practical stuff back and um, where it's like that, you know, the riding on a horse, but having like that, the tree, you know, the tree stuff that's kind of like almost like on a circle around it. So it looks like they're kind of running around it. Um, that aspect of kind of stuff is kind of cool too, where, um that doesn't really ruin it. For, I don't know if it, how it is for you, but finding out how things are made like that doesn't really ruin it for me as much as it makes me appreciate it and like want to watch it again. Yeah. I'm um, same way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I'm always like kind of a huge advocate for um, let the piece come out first before you show how you did it. You know? So it's like sharing a bunch of behind the scenes stuff beforehand. And then, when people see it, it's like, oh, well, they already did it. It's like, I kind of want to people to kind of 
watch it first and be like, oh, that's interesting. And then you see that later on, it's like, okay, well, Nate just made like, uh, you know, not to discredit, but it's a, you know, a 10 foot tall bird puppet that we just lit weird and like covered in shit and like silhouetted in a weird way. So now it looks like a creature that has been summoned for this incantation video. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's better. Like nowadays there seems to be a, a kind of tendency towards doing too much like behind the scenes stuff before a movie comes out. And I just think we don't want to watch this stuff after you see the movie. Like, why do you want to see behind the scenes stuff? Like you haven't even seen the movie yet or whatever. You know what I mean? And it's like, even like, you know, you're supposed to believe um, that, you know, that these characters are um, like in some cases, like they're enemies or they're lovers, but then you're kind of like seeing behind the scenes stuff where they're just, you know, oh, they're having fun. They're, you know, they're friends and all that. And then it's like in the movie, there's, you're supposed to believe that they're have this profound hatred and like, you know, they're trying to kill each other. And it's just kind of, kind of takes away, you know, um, again, I'm, obviously completely aware that it's a movie and that there's yeah. and stuff, but um, I kind of more, like I said, just more of an advocate for kind of like waiting a little bit until afterwards, just to kind of let people see the piece first, the movie first, and then kind of share that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, but it doesn't really ruin it for me to find out how they did stuff, but um, there are some people who always hold their secrets. Like there's some stuff like, you know, like Rob Bottin who did the, you know, all the stuff for like the thing, you know, all the practical effects and stuff. Or I think there's still people today who don't know how he did some of his effects, you know, cause he kind of kept some of it, some of it secret, you know? <laughs> so cool. Um, that, that, again, that's another one that I kind of like revisit at least once a year. Not really for Halloween. That's a winter movie for me. Um, yeah. Me too. Still, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. Um, I, you know, hope that one day we will get to see um, a cut of the practical stuff from the, um, you know, the 2011 prequel that came out that got replaced with CGI. Um, yeah, that was that was like a shame. They made all the practical stuff, did all the stuff, and then they, the studio replaced it all with horrible CGI. And it's like, why did you do this? Like, you ruined this movie, you know. And again, going back to that, like, I think like, you know, when, when you combine the two effectively, it can be awesome. Yeah. You know, having the practical stuff, but having like some stuff that's like added on with CGI, um, um, even, um, uh, that, um, most, you know, more mainstream and biggest thing most recently that I can think of off the top of my head was that, um, latest season of stranger things that everybody kind of hated on, um, the Vecna creature was all practical, but then they kind of went through with CGI and enhanced some things and made some moving parts on it. And I think that's awesome. The cool things like that. Um, but yeah, what they did to the thing is kind of, that's a goddamn shame. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well then sometimes they overdo certain things like, like, um, like the it movies. Like I felt like they overdid the, cgi overlay on top of uh um what's his name Skarsgård, you know like and the new so, ones yeah yeah, yeah. And those new ones like you know because you know he had a cool look to him but then sometimes you'd watch a movie and be like they definitely overlay like way too much cgi into him sometimes where you start to go yeah this isn't real you know what i mean i only watched those once and it was uh um the first one in theaters the second one was kind of like once it had made it on streaming um 
I don't remember hating him, but I don't remember being, you know, I only watched him once. I never really went back to him. Yeah, I've only seen him both yeah. once as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, isn't that the same person and, like, uh, like director and, like, production team that's supposed to be doing that um, Long Lost Salem Slot remake? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe, yeah. It's, okay. Yeah, which I think is in the... I'm not sure. I don't know. No, but I know there's a Salem Slot coming out at some point. So. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been just kind of, uh, from what I understand, it's uh, you don't really get any updates except for just speculation, but from what I understand, it's uh, it's done, and then it just kind of got shelved for whatever reason. Um, and then uh, I saw something recently that it might be making its way on a streaming instead of theaters, so... Yeah, it seems to be the way. It seems like studios are kind of, kind of just doing shit like that right now. Yeah, um, it's you know, I don't, you know, I don't know too much of how that stuff works, so it's you know, I'm just excited to see it. But um, yeah, um, hopefully it makes its way. I mean, I, I always love the the '70s Salem lot that you know was classic. I mean, even though Barlow is like a Nosferatu instead of how he is in the book, but you know, he's still really cool. You know. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, love that kind of depiction of him in that. Um, and, you know, it's just full of so much, just even like great images too. It's, you know, not to mention, you know, the kid floating at the window, waiting to yeah. come in. Um, but even like the, uh, um, uh, man, I forget his name, uh, but the actor, he's like kind of just sitting, like comes in the room and, you know, we we're talking about the glowing eyes and he had the glowing eyes and he's just, Sitting in the rocking ta- rocking chair when he enters the room, just trying to steer, you know, things like that. Kind of um, even more so than like the jump steer. You know, it's like the jump steer is kind of like more a reflex than anything. Um, yeah. But it's like things like that where it's like you, you know, it's not trying to um, come out of nowhere. It's like it's showing you that it's coming, and like that kind of stuff resonates with me a lot more. Yeah, me too. I, I like the kind of creeping horror more than. Uh... More generally than, than the ro- the roller coaster, you know, I know what you did last summer, kind of scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's exceptions to the rule. I mean, I do like a movie like The Conjuring, which is has a lot of jump scares in it. But I, you know, I I will take that back. They do a really good job at that. Man, it's the the yeah. constant tension of the camera panning back and forth, and you're like, is it gonna be this time? Nope. Oh, is it gonna be? Oh, oh. Yeah. and yeah. finally, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of the king of that right now. So. Or like the the grudge movies, I think are probably the to me the 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 grudge movies, both the Japanese Juan and also the the two American ones that the same director made, Grudge One and Grudge Two. Yeah, I, like I, I haven't like seen those in a long time. I feel like those are like the kings of jump scares, because he he had a time down perfectly like like uh you know how to fuck with people psychologically like when something's gonna come out all of a sudden and stuff like that you know what i mean because he'd like mess with you like i I mean those i like the first two grudge movies the american ones because it was done by the same japanese director so i didn't even realize that yeah so so in a lot of ways they're basically just a continuation you know they're just an english language version of his his own duon movies you know so it's like uh they have a little bit of a authenticity to them to, i feel like you know made by japanese crews and japanese director just being you know, you know yeah American i recently uh, tried giving uh 
that American version of uh, Rain is Shot Again. Um, I, I remember liking it when it was when it you know was younger and it first came out. Um, I did not really enjoy it the second time around. Yeah, uh, yeah that one doesn't but, doesn't hold up. Like I remember seeing it the first time in the theaters and it was like awesome. Like I was scared, but then by the time I saw it the second time, I had already seen Ring, uh, Ringu, you know, and all the Japanese movies and. You know, then you go yeah. back to the American and you're like, yeah, this this isn't as good as I thought it was when I saw it. In the, um, man, uh, it just kind of reminded me uh, another movie that I think uh, um, I don't know if it was per your digital suggestion or if it was because of uh, the necromaniacs, but uh, the wailing um, was something that I, another movie that I was kind of sleeping on and then finally checked out. And um, per, man, I, it's probably one of my favorite movies of like you know that's come out in like the last ten years at least, and that kind of like Korean cinema. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I actually haven't seen that. That it, Necromaniacs covered it, but I. Oh, okay, but for yeah. But I hadn't seen that movie. Like, you said, yeah, it is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I used to be really. I had like a period of time where I was really into Japanese and Korean horror movies, and. The past like ten years or so, I haven't been as much into them. Like I did rewatch the all the Ring movies last year, so I get I do it periodically. I revisit them, but I still love them. And just like I was like really obsessed with those movies, like you know, twelve years ago or something like that. You know, what what's something that's um, um, relatively new and recent that you're really stoked on that you've kind of you know like do you have a current obsession as far as like uh, a certain kind of like series of films or like anything like that that you're really stoked on right now? Like like what I'm into right now or you yeah. mean like uh, a new... Well, it's like you, you just mentioned like uh, the... Uh, um, like like a lot of the Japanese horror and how you used to be like just kind of obsessive about that. Is there anything that you're like kind of like obsessing over right now where you're just kind of like binging that specific style of something? Um, We're right at this particular moment. I've been on a, like a world war two kicks. So I've been like, watch, <laughs> watch, I watch band of brothers and all that kind of stuff. But as far as movies, like probably, uh, the last thing that I've been like really, um, into doing, it was really like the kind of, like we're talking about the hammer stuff, the old, uh, you know, just the classics. That's what I was doing a lot of during ho- Halloween as well was watching the classic stuff, you know. Yeah, same. It's the the atmosphere that that kind of puts you into is kind of like surround, you know, able to surround yourself with is get drawn to around that time of year. Yeah, like I'm a, you know, I love um, the AI Poe stuff too. Like you know, uh, Mask of the Red Death and Followed House of Usher, and then uh, you know, or like the Haunted Palace. I, I, I've watched that movie like three times this year. <laughs> the Haunted Palace, wow. Yeah. Like just because, be, like, well, first of all, it was not available for a long time until this year, and then finally it showed up on Amazon, then showed up on Shutter, and then a new DVD came out, so I ordered a DVD, and um, I just it, that the atmosphere of that movie is perfect. What's that? Is it still on Shutter right now? It was the last time I checked. Yeah. Oh, cool. The uh, it's just like a it's particularly for Halloween. It's like a perfect Halloween movie. You know, it's based off of Lovecraft's Charles Dexter Ward. Uh, novel and um, they do a pretty good job of of kind of like adapting it but it's just like that perfect like foggy like 
creepy cemetery, like just like classic, you know, super classic gothic horror feeling to it, you know. Hell yeah. Yeah, you just want to crawl in there and just wrap yourself up in it. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. And then yeah, but then more recently outside of the World of Two stuff, I've been wanting been trying planning on revisiting uh the, some Ingmar Bergman movies. So because uh, I don't know, something about November, December, January, this type of winter period, I like get in this mood to like, I'm going to watch some some Bergman movies and, you know, like listen to Catonia and stuff or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's just kind of that mood I get in. <laughs> no, it's, it's um, you know, like, like I said, not everything is seasonal, but there are some things that I'm more drawn to because of the season. Um, yeah. Um, I don't, yeah. The, the, um, the next movie I'm covering on my podcast is going to be the movie Phantoms from 1997. You remember that movie with uh, oh, a minute? Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch that though. Peter O'Toole and uh, Rose McGowan and uh, Ben Affleck and stuff. That's a cool movie. I already rewatched it like a couple months ago. I'm gonna watch it again for the podcast, but it's uh, yeah. that's a really I don't know. I like that movie. That's one of those comfort movies where it just takes you back to being I don't know, seeing it in the theaters when I was like 10 years old and. It was filmed here in Colorado as well, up in Georgetown. So, oh, like, cool! Yeah, I have to revisit that one. It's been a minute. Yeah, who directed that one? Is that? Um, no, that's not. Uh, I'm thinking of another movie around that same time. I don't know. I don't, I'm oh, sure. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Mimic. Completely different. Yeah, um, Mimic, Mimic was done by uh, Del Toro. Yeah. yeah. Phantoms, though, it's yeah, it's been a minute. But yeah, it's not that. Um, just even that kind of like, you know, mid to, well, I'd say more like mid-90s, more so than like late 90s. Um, the slasher stuff kind of ran its course for me when I was kind of like, once Scream kind of came out. Like, I liked the first one when it came out, but I feel like that kind of like made a, uh, it kind of ruined mainstream horror for a while, at least what, what was coming out. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, Every, every movie had the poster of, uh, you know, the entire cast in some V shape, you yeah. know, just very uninteresting posters and stuff. And, uh, yeah, even, but even the Phantoms, they did like a poster kind of like that, even though I think they might have, yeah, but I'll give it the benefit of the doubt and I'll rewatch that one. Yeah, but. because it's not a, it's not a slash or anything. It's like a cosmic horror movie, you know, yeah. but it's just like you could tell that they were doing that just because that was the, the thing in style at the time, you know. Yeah, well, a big part of it was probably just, you know, somebody in marketing was just like, we need to show who's in this. Exactly, yeah. I mean, so yeah. pretty much every, even Mimic, that movie had the same same type of poster. You know, he had Mia Servina and other other people, like, kind of, like, standing on the cover, you know? Like, it's like, I don't know. I don't know why they, they were doing that in that time, but that was, like, the thing. Yeah, but, yeah, it's a very, uh, you know, late 90s, uh, well, they still do it today, but that's kind of like where I noticed it, where it's like every movie poster kind of looked like that. Yeah. I do think it was because of scream though. Like that, that was like the, the, uh, um, yeah, the late nineties, like that last period, a little bit of the nineties, there was not a lot of good stuff. Like, you know, there was, you had like X-Files and stuff like that on TV. That was good. Like X-Files. And I even like Buffy the Vampire Slayer as well. I did. I did because it was like, you know, something that was on, that you could, you know, that was, you could actually, it was like the horror thing. I tried revisiting it though. And I got, you know, I put the first episode on and I couldn't do it. Um, 
yeah. but maybe I'll do another go eventually. But yeah, I do remember yeah. watching that pretty, uh, pretty regularly as it was coming out. Yeah, definitely. One show that I um, just got the box sets for was Millennium, which was like the spinoff of X Files. I've heard of it, but I never watched them. That's a cool show. Yeah, it's it's the it basically it's kind of like um, um they kind of like the first the pilot they're like inspired by Seven and stuff like that. So it's got this really gritty, dark quality to it. It has which is a, great. Yeah, it has Lance Hendrickson as the main character. It's pretty fucked up, like story. Oh wow! Lines. Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, I'm and uh, and all, yeah, that's a that's a really good show. Like, he he was a, he showed up on one Exile shows and then he got a spinoff, which um, yeah, it was like very dark and a lot of it was more like serial killer stuff or like things like that in the show. But then sometimes it would spin off into like supernatural stuff, kind of like X Files does, you know. It was a spinoff of X Files. Yeah, it was connected. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Lance, though, I could, I could listen to like Lance, Lance read a phone book for like ten hours and be okay. So yeah, he's got, he's got the best voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing about the movie, the show. Like the he he holds it together, you know. Um, yeah. Did you ever speaking of the late nineties? Probably. Uh, did you ever see the House on Haunted Hill remake from ninety nine? Because I I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we just recently re- revisited the uh, the Vincent Price one, but um, that's got um, oh, I'm trying to think of what's his name. Um, he was in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Um, uh, Jeffrey Rush. That's right. Yeah, um, Has- that had some very specific, like you know, we were talking about specific images. Um, that's the one that had like the ghost that had that really like shaky look to him, and yeah, you uh, kind of come out and yeah awesome um yeah. but yeah it's been a minute since i've seen that one too i definitely recommend i, I it's kind of, that's become like a yearly thing for me for halloween it's like i think i've heard you on the podcast talk about it before so i'm gonna give it another go yeah like um uh I, well i saw it for halloween that year when it came out like it was like one of the only horror movies that came out for halloween in 99 and well, yeah, my dad yeah. and i went and saw it and then yeah i just loved it ever since and you know, you just have to excuse the plot. It doesn't quite 100% make sense, you know, but neither did the original movie, you know, so whatever. Like, but the, the imagery in it is just amazing. Like, the the set, you know, like this, like, decayed, like, a band, you know, like, um, uh, mental asylum, and, you know, it's just so creepy, and the, the ghosts are really creepy in it, you know, like, for me, it works for a lot. Like, I really like it. Yeah, no, I remember liking it. Um, just even that kind of era of stuff of like, uh, um, was 13 ghosts. The, the remake was that around that time too, or is that early two thousands? It came out like two years after, or like it was like 2000 or 2001. I forget which. Yeah. It was like right okay. after that. Yeah. But 99 had the haunting, um, which was, you know, kind of whatever in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but also the Blair Witch project that I, uh, actually a huge fan of the first one. But that was a summertime thing. It didn't come out in Halloween. Yeah, I remember that came out in the summer. Although it came out, in, I didn't see that in the theaters. Actually, I saw it on tape. That 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 fall, I think it came out on tape around Halloween. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was one that my uh, my sister kind of walked me through because um, I I wanted this I wanted to go, but she had seen it and she's like, "You want me to ruin it for?" He's like, "Yeah, tell me what happens." And she walked me through it, 
and it still didn't ruin it, even though I knew it was going to happen, like, you know, the whole climax of it. And it's like when you're seeing it, it's, uh, um, you know, that suspension of disbelief, pretending that you've actually found this video and you're watching somebody's actual footage. And, you know, at the time, like now it's like we kind of, you know, that stuff's like everywhere. and We kind of like take it for granted. Um, and not all of them are created equal. Um, but at the time, that one kind of like really resonated with me where it was like, oh, man, like, you know, I could steal my dad's camcorder right now and we can make a horror movie. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That definitely, uh, definitely, like, I had the same thought when I was, like, you know, 12 years old and the movie came out, and you're like, oh, look, you yeah. can just make a movie with a camcorder, like, or whatever. Yeah, not belittling at all. Like, it was um, truly awesome at the time. Um, and then even just, you know, um, not that the internet was new, but it wasn't as accessible as it is now. But it was, like, the whole, you know, actors and actresses using their real names. And then the website that was, like, worked as, like, a missing, you know, had all this stuff on it and folklore and um i love that, I that it's really cool remember the documentary they made with it yeah 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 that that was almost uh um because that came out on vhs before the movie did on vhs yeah. too. um and i had actually seen that i think prior to or shortly shortly after i can't remember it was right around the same time um yeah i think it's just called curse of the blair witch or something but yeah, I think I saw that before. It was on. I think they showed it on TV or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just I remember seeing it in the video store or something like that. They had it. You know, yeah, but... yeah, and it's cool because the obviously the DVD has both now. But you know, it's like I, I like that the Curse of the Blair Witch documentary. Just like I don't know, it kind of sells the movie in a way too. And you know, you're like. You'll see footage in it that wasn't a movie, but I like the the whole mythology of the Blair Witch a lot, and you know all the kind of stories and folklore and like you know urban legend qualities to it. Because I don't know, I'm just really always been really fascinated by that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I and again they they got the right kind of people. Um, one one of my favorite things in film is like when you're I don't know if there's an actual word for it, there probably is, but the whole thing of um, when somebody's telling a story or like in the case of the Blair Witch where they're interviewing people and like, you know, there's that woman that they go and visit um, the old lady. And she's like explaining how she saw the Blair Witch. Like they don't actually show it, but she's explaining how she saw the Blair Witch when she was a kid and the way she's explaining it and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's terrifying. Um, but it's those kind of scenes where it's like, you're not actually like seeing, like they don't cut away to some reenactment. It's, you're just focused on the characters and the ter characters are explaining, like telling a story. And if they're really good at it, like you don't need to cut away. It can almost in its own be like that visual sounds like a, a movie in its own. Um, yeah. that, that, that's how like Exorcist 3 was. That's why I love Exorcist 3 a lot because a lot of the most horrific stuff is related in dialogue when it causes you to have to like imagine it. You know what I mean? Yep, and then we were just talking shit about jump scares, but that does have one of the best jump scares ever, too. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, um, that one's great. I don't know if I've ever seen the second one, to be honest with you, um, Exorcist 2, but from when I hear it, you don't really need to. Um, no, I mean, it's worth watching at least once, um, but it's not mm -hmm. great. I just I watched... Do... Oh, sorry, what are you going to No, I don't, you go. I was gonna say I just rewatched the Minion, 
which is one of the one one of the prequels because you know they did two prequels to the Exodus. They did. I I think I did see that one. Yeah. Yeah, and they did um, Dominion, and then they did the, the Exorcist beginning or whatever. And um, Dominion, uh, I actually liked it more watch, watching it now, like than I did when it, when I watched it before, like ten years ago or whatever. For some reason, like because before when I watched it, I thought it was boring, but this time I actually kind of liked it more. It doesn't really. The ending is kind of goofy, and that's kind of the problem with both of them. The Exorcist beginning is a bit more of a fun movie to watch and it's a little bit more just horror and you know it's done by remy harlan you know it's like got a lot of energy to it so i like watching that one but the again the ending is goofy so both the movies kind of fail at the end you know so yeah <laughs> neither one of them quite does what you want i mean it's technically it's the third time they've tried to tell the previous exorcist of marin you know because in exorcist 2 that they show it as well um, and I think it's annoying because I just wish they did that in Exodus 2 purely. Just, yeah, we had Max von Sydow, just let him come in. Let's just do the story of him doing the first exorcist, exorcism. You know what I mean? When you actually yeah. have Max von Sydow. So it just feels like kind of like they, they you know, wasted an opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, from, what I, from what I understand, that second one was very rushed because of the success of the first one. Um, but um i've not seen the new one um um talking about really cool posters i really liked the poster for the new one i kind of sparked my interest in it you know talking about that stark black and white imagery yeah um trailer looked okay but um friends of mine that i kind of you know we don't see eye to eye on everything but when it comes to exorcist related material they did they said it was no go so i'm not in a rush i've been telling people you know give it a watch on, you know, judge it for its own. Like I, I didn't think it was very good or at all, but okay. <laughs> I also didn't think it was as horrible as everyone said either. Like, I think the first part of it was okay. You know, like I was kind of like enjoying the first part of it and then, and then it goes downhill. I also have a, uh, a, uh, an affinity towards uh, when somebody speaks poorly about something, it makes me want to watch it that much more. Yeah. It makes me it makes me want to like it, so it makes me want to give it a chance, and then sometimes you know be like, "Hey, man, you were right." I gotcha. But yeah, <laughs> one thing that I did definitely want to talk about um, is uh, the artwork you did for the Strigway album, because uh, oh yeah, yeah, because I'm a, the the Viscera was like one of my top albums last year, a Strigway album, and. One of my favorite things, I love the artwork, you know, I have the book of all the artwork in it and everything. And it was just like, I actually yeah. didn't realize at first that you did it, you know? Yeah. And, and then I saw you post, and I was like, oh shit, it's you. Like, I've thought it did look like your art, you know, like I just didn't put it together right away, you know what I mean? And then I was like, um, so yeah, I was going to ask, like, how, how did it feel to get invited by to do, you know, it's Greg McIntosh, he's like a fucking you know, legend, you know, it's like paradise lost and everything. And you get, get to do yeah, no, I, there was a, there, um, I, I got an email from Greg and I was, uh, um, you know, he's very, he's like, my name is Greg. And it's like, I know who you are, man. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, playing it cool. Um, you know, but you know, mentioned that, you know, I was a huge fan and I did enjoy the previous streetway record and then even Valonfire before then. Yeah. Um, I have, uh, I mean, I, you know, much like everybody else kind of grew up on Paradise Lost. Um, 
never got to see Paradise Lost. Got to see Val and Fire a couple times actually. Um, they did like a tour with At the Gates, and then one of the MDFs I saw them, um, which is pretty much the same band. Well, not the same band, but it's Chris uh, um, plays bass live, but from what I understand, is like one of the main songwriters and kind of um, ever you know. And since the initial conversation with Greg, Chris has pretty much been the contact that I've had with them. Okay. Um, but um, Greg was the one that kind of reached out initially, and um, that was the summer of 2021, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, he kind of talked about what he wanted to do. And I kind of said, like, yeah, I'd love to do it. Here's what I would do. Here's how much I would tra- uh, charge. And then everything went silent. And I was like, oh, shit, did I charge? Like, were they expecting it for free or not? But it was like, um, not the case at all. They were just kind of waiting for some stuff from their label um, before they kind of pushed, you know, moved forward with it. Um, and um, they were super trusting. Um Basically, they just kind of commissioned like a series of like a photo series. And um, my partner and good friend, um, my partner Breezy and my good friend Olive kind of came over for a night and we just all kind of like collaborated. And yeah, it was awesome. Um, Made like 30 or 40 images that I sent to them. They picked eight of them. And I was like, you only want eight? Like, I, you know, you paid for all these, didn't have them all. And they're like, no, we just really want these ones. And I was like, okay, um, saved them all. And then uh, when they got ready to release this EP, um, Bathe in a Black Sun EP that just came out, they wanted to use some of that unreleased stuff, but change it up so that it wasn't exactly like they wanted to show that it was still different. So they wanted to add red layers over it and whatnot and stuff. And um, basically what ended up being the cover is pretty much essentially what Greg had mocked up. Um and kind of sent and just kind of sent the high resolution version over and Chris took care of the, the layout and rest of it and stuff. And um, it's funny you mentioned the not knowing that I did the art. And then once you, you know, noticed uh, the first, uh, their first album, actually I, people had kind of sent to me and asked if I had done, uh, cause it's kind of still in that same way. It's that at wheelhouse, but um, it's a really good artist. Um, did the first one. Um, still really cool, but um one of the images I had made originally that I was kind of pitching for the cover. Um, um, they were like, Oh no, it's too close to the back of this. And um, um, so the one that they did pick was, uh, you know, again, it's covered in like lots of sheets, but then going back in afterwards and like really exaggerating and manipulating and adding in the sheets. So it's like, you know, this huge mountain mound. And I think they ended up cropping in a little bit for the cover of it a little bit more than it was, but yeah, yeah, super cool. Um, definitely. That was a, uh, ideal project, like a project for a band that you really like and respect, and then gives you pretty much full creative control, you know? Yeah. But, so they didn't, they didn't have like a particular, like, uh, this is what we want. You kind of like gave you like maybe the feeling of what, what to go for and uh, they, they told me the album title i had not yet heard any of the music because they were still waiting on uh, the mix um i kind of gotten that after the fact um but i had the album title um which kind of like you know made me want to you know the, the black kind of um um the black kind of entrails that they're both kind of sharing that's kind of like coming out of them through them and back into them and stuff um and then um, they had sent some 
examples of some of my art that I had done previously that they liked, just, just trying to like, you know, not knowing if they wanted something that was more purely photographic or if they wanted something that was more um, the heavy manipulated thing. So um, it's, it helps a lot to kind of have that direction because it's like, I'm not, you're not always sure why it's like somebody coming to you because they like this aspect of your artwork or if they like this, but um, I don't know. It's just, it's, I don't know, super awesome when it's people like that, that you like and respect a lot. And then they want you to make, you know, do the visual interpretation of, you know, music, making music videos is fun, but like doing an album cover is kind of, like, that's huge. Like that's, that's the thing that encompasses the entire, you know, theme of the music and the aesthetic of the music. And Yeah. Well, and, and then on that, that album, like, I mean, to me, the, it's very, has a very iconic type of look, like the scent, the image on the cover, you know, like to me, that's kind of one of those types of album cover that uh, will live on. You know what I mean? Like where, I don't oh, know, for, uh, me, yeah, for me, it just really strikes out to me. Like immediately when I saw the artwork, I was like, I was obviously drawn. I mean, I loved the first Trigway album, but when I saw the cover, I was like, the Trigway, when I started listening, hearing the album and everything, I was just like, it's perfect combination of just, I don't know, extremely dark, you know, almost abyss type of darkness that the album has. Like the artwork somehow manages to really capture this type of dark energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saying so. Um, and again, they had. Um... Uh, another visual artist that I like a lot, Densora, did the videos. So it was, and I had no idea that was happening. So when the singles started premiering, and I was seeing the videos, I was like, "Man, like, you know, an artist that you not you like and respect a lot is like also contributing to this project that you're working on." And it was kind of a um, like that's not the only time it's happened, but that was that that was kind of a you know, since we're speaking about it, that was a very pivotal moment for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure it must have felt good to have you know. Greg from, you know, reach out to you as a fan of your art, you know, like wanting you to, I'm sure that was like one of those moments you're like, oh man, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's how I would feel. I'd be like, what? I was like, what? <laughs> again, they're, they're super cool. Um, like very, you know, um, yeah, I, I hope to do the next one. So. Yeah. I mean, your, your artwork, like pretty much to me, Cap is like very in line with, I guess encapsulates the feeling of their music to me. So like, I felt like it was a perfect, uh, even more like the first album cover was cool, but I feel like this album cover was like even more perfect for the music, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saying so. It was like, it was, uh, um, um, just even that album, you know, the, the song, like I, I like the first three joy record. Um, but, uh, just even this one completely, not even being a biased opinion, but um, it seems like a little bit more of a, um, um, like an actual realization of what they're kind of doing. You know, uh, yeah, I can't really speak for them, what they're doing you know, as a band, but um, just even sound wise, it's, it seems like, uh, like if that's a direction that they're headed, that's quite okay with me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's awesome. I mean, I just really love love the, the type of feeling it has, the way the music is, everything like so that that was like one of my most listened to albums last year. I was, I was like couldn't stop oh, listening cool. to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been listening to it a lot too. It's really good. Um but yeah, they uh um 
I know they've been doing some stuff over in Europe. Uh, I know that um, talking with Chris, um, it sounds like they want to come here. It's just, you know, it has to be feasible. So I'm hoping we get to see them live. So Yeah, I'd love to see Struguay live. I saw yeah. Paradise Lost live five years ago. Oh, man. Yeah, I never got to see him. Yeah, they, they came with uh, Souls to Fear. And uh, the funny thing was, and I wasn't surprised because I know the Denver audience, but uh, everyone came for Souls to Fear and then half the crowd left. Wow, really? And Interesting. There, there was only maybe a couple hundred people in a pretty big venue to see Paradise Lost here. But oh. I'm not surprised, like, just from, you know, I don't really go out anymore, but from when I used to go to the metal bars or whatever here, I mean, nobody here, know, very few people here know who Paradise Lost is or My Dying Bride or any of that kind of stuff. Like, you know, the only Doom stuff that's popular here is like, you know, Stoner Doom or Paul Bear or stuff like that, you know, like. Right, yeah. Um, they're not They're not really into the kind of uh, dark, I mean, my favorite kind of Doom is like really dark, dark, bleak, you know, Funeral Doom and My Dying Bride, Paradise Lost, all that kind of stuff. Like, that's what I like. Yeah, um, I like My Dying Bride a lot. Um I got to see them a little bit at uh, was it MDF 2015. Uh, they, they were one of the headliner sets. Um, but yeah, they're great. Um, I don't know what it is, though, um, about... Because um, a friend of mine was actually kind of, you know, after we did the Streetway thing, uh, he was talking about how... Um, it's like, you know, how much is it to get Paradise Lost? Like, I've got the answer. Like, it's like, oh, because I did the artwork, I just know, like, they're voting. <laughs> like, it wasn't even for them, you know? Um, but yeah, no, I would love to see them. But it's kind of, uh, you know, here in Detroit, it's kind of a similar thing um, um, where it's like bands that you would think, like, you know, if they're headlining, like, that room should still be packed, you know? But it's like everyone is leaving early because they came to see some opener for it or whatnot, which is cool to each their own, but it's also kind of, uh, I don't know, it's weird. Um, you know, especially a band like that where it's like, um, legendary yeah. band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and I, I'm kind of a fan of all across the board, even if I'm being honest, um, yeah. like even more, you know, this stuff like, um, like after host, you know, the early two thousands and even more of the recent stuff. And, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of the new stuff, like particularly, basically. I mean, I love everything they've done in different ways, but I think I feel like particularly after this, yeah, particularly after the self-titled album. I mean, that one's pretty good, but then once we get into like In Requiem and on, I feel like they've almost even better than their old stuff. You know, a lot of ways, you know, like right, yeah, um, like In Requiem and uh. Faith unites us, or faith, or no, sorry, faith divides us, death unites us, and uh, tragic idol and plague, plague within was like an amazing album, you know. Like, did what's the one? Uh, again, I'm so bad with names of things, but like, what's the album? It's the one that's got like the uh, it's like the um, like the fire serpent, and when you look closely, it's like a bunch of guns and weapons in it. Um, anyway, that, that that's when I've been revisiting a lot lately. Um, what, and that's one. What, what color is the cover? 
it's a black cover and then it's got like it's just this stark image of like a fire um people listening to this podcast are gonna be like these idiots you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, trying to think of what which cover that is the uh, uh hold on let me pull it up yes yeah. two computers on me because my other one wasn't working the um see i'm trying to think of which which uh the, um uh is that is that like a, a mid middle era one uh i'm pretty sure this is like after like um you know if we're saying post host because it seems to like a lot of people kind of dropped out before that and after that for whatever reason um yeah i mean i thought i thought host was the best depeche mode album depeche mode never didn't make you know what i mean Man, yeah yeah and uh, <laughs> again i really like that uh um uh that new project that they have just called host. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I really liked that, that album a lot too. Like, I feel like that was a good idea for them. Oh, symbol, of life. symbol of life is what I was thinking. Yeah. Symbol, symbol life's a good album. It has that, that one, um, what's that? The single off of it. Um, uh, uh, erased. I like that song, even though it's very like kind of catchy goth club song, you know? Yeah. Which is okay. Uh, yeah, you know I, mean? I like it. Yeah. Um, that one and then the uh, the 2005 uh, self-titled one are the two that I've been kind of going back to a lot lately. Yeah, those are both great. I mean, um, uh, I think they're, I think both those albums are good. Pretty much the only album from Paradise Lost that I don't really listen to as often is Believe in Nothing. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't know why. It's just like, it's, you know, the, between Host and Symbol of Life, I feel like that was like, where they're kind of trying to figure out like what to do in that album, you know, like where they kind of figured out, you know, they started getting the guitars back, but it maybe wasn't quite enough, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's not a bad album though. Like, like, you know, I always say that, you know, for me, the worst, Depeche, uh, for worst uh, Paradise Lost album is uh, eight, still an eight out of 10. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cause yeah. pretty much everything they've done is like, is like killer to me, you know? Right, yeah. Um, even um, 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 not to kind of put them in the same category, but um, my dying, um, my dying bride. It's kind of like the same kind of thing. It's like when I kind of get in that mood of like that. Um, um, like using the word melancholy, but it's like it's not like. Um, like I need sad, sad sounding music to, you know, just wallow and continue feeling sad. It's a, uh, um, it's, it's a just, thing. It's, it's a beautiful melody. It's like, it's not about like, you know, um, but, um, it's kind of like, it's kind of a different type of darkness. Like their music doesn't really make me feel like wallowing and sadness, but this is kind of like this kind of, kind of artistic darkness, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, um, you know, band, uh, that kind of, um, somber kind of even like you mentioned like funeral doom stuff um uh, like evoken is one of my current favorites um yeah, you know more evoken. yeah um who actually you know we were talking about begotten earlier they uh, sounds like well at least at mdf they did but it sounds like they commonly will do a live set with like begotten projected behind him and stuff it's okay my people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always wondered if uh Begotten was an influence at all on, um, yeah, on, on Paradise Lost, even on like, or like uh, Gregor with like Strigway, because it just, that music kind of feels like, 
feels like the got you could play begotten behind it and it would work perfectly you know <laughs> yeah and even like that most uh like that first album and some of the video stuff still has that kind of imagery too yeah exactly and um yeah Vulcan yeah probably my favorite one of my favorite funeral doom bands i mean i I also love skepticism and you know that you know uh of course even the older stuff like theragothon and unholy and all, all that but um there's some skepticism too before they're amazing um and that was on like a sunny ass parking lot it was kind of weird but it was still good yeah that'd, that'd be kind of weird to see them like that um but yeah, I feel like Evoking Ottaways are probably one of the best funeral doom bands. Just like the feeling and the atmosphere of what their music does is just so so dark and bleak and right, yeah, unrelenting. It's, I mean, it's great. Also, super heavy, but still has that kind of like that catchy, well, not catchy, but that um, melancholic kind of melody that kind of you know overarches all their music and stuff. And it's just the most recent album they did is like still like heavy rotation for me. I think it's like five years old now. Yeah, four four years old. I think about yeah, yeah. That's an amazing yeah. album. And um, one thing I really like about Evoking Two is they they will also occasionally bring in those kind of heavy Celtic Cross Hellhammer type riffs here and there too. You know, like so just to keep you on your toes. Yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> which I'm I really like that because I mean I'm I'm a big fan of like Triptychon and like Monotheist Celtic Frost album. Like those are again yeah. really dark doom albums that have that same type of feeling. Like the, I really I, I associate that with that kind of vibe, you know? Right. Yeah. It's uh, even um, um, like I obviously love Celtic Frost, but um, you know I think Triptychon is kind of the project that I kind of find myself going back to the most. Yeah. As far as listening. Um, and even that monotheist album is still like it might be the f- first unofficial Triptychon album, but that it's still it's probably the Celtic Frost album that I find myself going back to the most too. Yeah, I, I kind of I kind of um, associate those ones together. You know, it's like monotheist goes straight into Triptychon. You know, like they're basically the same sound. It's just the only difference is that you have the elements that um, oh fuck. Uh, and hate me i have the the bass player i'm blanking on his name um he died yeah, uh, recently yeah, terrible names yeah. yeah but uh he he brought in you know his his elements into celtic frost but i feel like uh i feel like regardless monotheist goes right into triptychon and even like artistically and everything of course i love the hr geiger art that that um Tom Warrior used for the for the chip albums. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like so I, I see like in for me, you have the early stuff like Hellhammer and you know, the first two Celtic Frost albums and stuff is like, you know, it's one thing. They're connected in a lot of ways. There's still some things, but then it's I don't know, the monotheist and the Triptychon stuff is just like so much darker even than and I mean Hellhammer is pretty dark in itself, but like Monotheist and uh, Triptychon are just like so much, just got this abyssic quality to it, you know? Right. And it's kind of a, another reason why I, uh, um, I like the ruin, uh, the ruins of Everest so much, um, kind of put them in that same kind of, uh, you know, same kind of feeling that Triptychon kind of does at times too. Um, but, um, 
Yeah. yeah. I'd have to see them. Um, not to keep bringing up MDF and it makes it sound like it's the only show I go to, <laughs> uh, but you really do get to see like some stuff that you wouldn't get to see otherwise. And they do a really good job of assembling, um, you know, pretty, pretty amazing lineups where it's like, you know, seeing skepticism in a parking lot immediately after a nail Nathrak. It was quite the, quite the jump, you know? Yeah. Um, and now Nathrak are cool too. I like them. Yeah. They're, they're, they're really good. Yeah. Particularly, particularly their earlier stuff like Codex Necro. Like, I really like that early. I mean, I like, I pretty much like all the non Nathrak stuff, but um, there's a kind of a special place in my heart for the Codex Necro in particular. <laughs> yeah. Um, even the. Um, uh, I, I, just his vo- his vocals. I, you know, I don't know his name, but uh, the vocalist for that is a, like, you know, definitely like top ten contemporaries doing it today. Um, he's just all over the place, especially back then. It was like that really just kind of. Uh, he was on hinge. <laughs> just feral, straight up feral, and then you know, and it, was he still? Were they doing the uh, the um, quote unquote cleaner vocals at that time? I think that started on his second album. Okay. Uh, between uh, Piss and Shit or whatever. I know that yeah. album's called. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I think that was, I remember when that came out, that was the for, uh, first time they, I think they did clean singing, which his singing kind of reminds me of uh, Ishan on like Anthems to the Welkin, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I never really thought about it like that. But yeah. That's what, that's what I always associated. Part, partly too, because, uh, you know, um, anthems has such all this like super fast parts and stuff for some reason i always felt like the anonathrak kind of brought some of that into it yeah but you know i just really like the bleak dark fucked up quality to all and hateful quality to all their music you know it's just like people who hate hate the world hate you hate everything want to see you suffer and die you know like see i like that kind of i like it i like to feel like the Artist yeah, hates comfort you. music. Comfort yeah. music. Yeah, I like. I like. I like to feel that the artist hates you, like when you listen to the music. You know, <laughs> yeah. you don't want to. Uh, um, like, I wouldn't want to meet them. You know, <laughs> it's it's uh, like it's like when you listen to like old swans and stuff like that, and you're just like, yeah, this this guy hates you. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, doesn't, doesn't care about you. He just wants you to feel pain. You know, like I, I think I just I don't know for some reason I like that. I don't know why. I just I like confrontational music like that. Yeah, no, it, it, where it almost yeah, like confrontational is the right word. Where it's like you almost feel like as you're listening to it, you're not, um, um, like you're not welcome. Like it's like you're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be enjoying this. It's not for enjoying. It's something else, you know. But but uh, but but I still enjoy it. You know, like, yeah, I like exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I like stuff that's dark and unpleasant. You know, I, do you are you familiar with like no other tongues? Oh yeah, like I, I love yeah. I love that kind yeah. of stuff. You know, <laughs> uh, man, what's the name of that album? There's a very specific one that he's done. Um, drawing a blank on it. I like the Abyss of Longing Throats album, and um, I'd have to look up the title. There's 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 ones right before that where he has kind of these weird orchestral elements to it i really like yep. that uh so um and it's i'm gonna butcher the name of it um not even gonna try it's the 2010 ones <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, it's got like it's the like yellow and orange color palette, and it's like somebody that's like kind of under a veil, kind of going up, and it's it's very orchestral. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, that's probably my favorite one that he's done. Um, that would that be uh, La Arav de la Turnia? That's my. Yep. 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 Um, excellent that? job. I was gonna butcher it. Very rarely do I have to say these um, um, band names, let alone album titles out loud. So. Yeah. Yeah. My that's my favorite era of Nother Tongues is like from like maybe all the dread, magnificence, perversity. Um the La- arrive album the Perflagellum one and then Abyssal Longing Throats. Like those those albums I feel like are, are at a peak of what he's doing because I I like his newer stuff, but um it's getting a little too just like electronic noise type of stuff you know where it's just like you know digital static noise and you know which is fine i know he's like trying to do something different but i really i miss the kind of you know perverse like magnificence of the older stuff where it just feels like you know you're in the the an orchestra in hell or something you know what i mean i um um we used to play uh there's a haunted house i worked at and, you know, we were very against playing music in the scenes and stuff like that. But we would play that album mostly for us, not really the patrons coming through. Um, we would just play that for us so that we would get in the vibe and, like, get in the mood of it and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it doesn't work like, you know, you don't want to do a haunted house where it's, like, you know, death metal or black metal is, like, playing because it's, like, there's still people coming through that are probably really into that. Not to say that there's people that are coming through that, don't like no other tongues, but at least at the time and where this haunted house was, it was probably very unlikely that anybody else beside us <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really stuff. But, um, yeah. Lots of crazy nights, lots of crazy moments to that album. Um, yeah. I feel like, I feel like in a haunted house, you could get, I like it when you go to one where they use like dark, like, you know, dread inducing ambient stuff, like while you're walking through, exactly. but I don't like it when they're playing like, orchestral music or not, and, you, know, you know like you know. particularly you don't like it when they're playing like rock music really it just doesn't work for me yeah nope no yeah and it's you know a lot of them at least around here um um you know they're trying to advocate fun so they're trying to make it fun and which is you know, i get it like they have a business they're trying to make people want to stay around and come around but In the aspect of like trying to create something, you know, some overarching, you know, fear, feeling of dread, that stuff kind of takes away from it, even if it is like, you know, and I said, it's like, I don't want to listen to my favorite black and death metal bands while I'm working in a haunted house. I feel like it kind of cheapens everything, you know? Yeah. I feel like yeah. you need to have sounds like, like now their tongues are like, you know, the first sound you know you know when you play like silent hill one and you got like the, the ominous like drone and clanging yeah. sounds it's just like really creepy like yeah. stuff like that you know what i mean it kind of like builds tension very droney and yeah yeah i feel or even i feel like something like einster's and new bout and like early stuff where it's just like really clangy and would be a little bit more effective in a haunted house than uh, something that's horrific sounding like you're walking through all of a sudden it's playing metal like it just like doesn't work 
No, and it's like you said, it's like somebody might be into that and it immediately gives them a sense of comfort. You know, like no, no, something like Another Tom's was about as close as I want to get to that, where it's yeah. still, you know, not as tangible of, of a thing as far as like, you know, heavy guitars, vocals, and drums. It's like you might have all that, but it's a little bit more loose. It's a little bit more... Um, in the case of that record, it's like a weird, uh, ethereal but like abrasive at the same time. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm. I find it really impressive how he managed to to make. I mean, I just wonder sometimes how he got those sounds. How he managed to make the the orca- orchestras sound that way. Like it's just. I, I I like to know because I'd like to do something like that. You know, I'd really love to make something yeah. that sounds like that menacing and. I love that kind of like because uh, I'm really big fan of um, of modern like dissonant classical music, you know, like Penderecki and you know Gorecki and all these types of particularly Eastern European type of guys, you know. And it's like I'd love to meld that like with your noise stuff, or you know, yeah, no, that'd be really cool. Even like I've always, you know, I'd like to meld some of that kind of stuff with like black metal as well, like like in a way that I haven't heard too many people do, but. But it's like I don't know how you go about doing that properly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, in the case in the case of him, it's uh, um, I I felt like we were getting some sort of like new album or new band almost like every other week. Right. Like he just had so many projects and so many releases all the time, and he just you know just genius. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's like. Uh... Yeah, and like I said, I like everything. It just the newer stuff I don't like quite as much as the older stuff. You know, like Yeah, I've had more time with the older stuff and it's kind of had more time to sit with me and yeah. Yeah. I mostly notice with some of the newer stuff is it gets a little too stat like digital yeah. static noise and like right. said, yeah. yeah, like which is fine, you know. I mean I, I like sometimes I like the kind of harsh noise stuff, but um it's not my favorite thing like i like i'm not a huge fan of like listening to mersbow you know yeah like the mersbow stuff where it's just like fucking harsh static yeah well a wa- a- harsh static like it can get a little tiresome I mean I, I mean I do like something like metal machine music by lou reed with like the the layers of guitar feedback is cool but sometimes when it's just like shh, static and then just like layering static on i just like like an hour yeah it's a. Yeah. Uh... A wise man once said that nobody enjoys that style of music more so than the person making it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but in that, t- you know, in, the, in that regard too, if it's if it comes from a place of sincerity, it's I still respect it and like it. It's just uh, not something that I want to gravitate towards all the time, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tend to gra- gravitate towards when it comes to dark ambient and that kind of. Uh, you know, uh, like all that kind of stuff, martial industrial, etc. I tend to gravitate towards, um, like the ritual ambient stuff, like ritual dark ambient stuff, like that's like kind of occult or satanic, and that, or the stuff that's like creating like a, a dark, horrific mood, like, um, like not other tongues, you know, stuff that feels like a horror movie, seems like it was inspired by the Silent Hill soundtrack, you know, like. I'm into the, I like that kind of stuff or like, like it's like horrific where I like the stuff that's like, you know, uh, more satanic 
generally, you know, or, you know, like a cult, a cult oriented. Yeah. Um, there was something on, uh, familiar with the record, uh, record label sentient ruin. Yeah. Sentient ruin. Yeah. Um, trying to think of what that band was, but there's something that, um, there's an artist on that label. Um, they have, they release a lot of good stuff. It's, it's hard to keep up with them. Like, yeah, no, they're great. Um, like, I'd have to work, work with them once on a release too. And top, top notch people. Which release did you do? Uh, the Shadir Lagoth. Again, I've never had to say their band name out loud, so I hope I'm pronouncing it right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that band. The uh, oh, it's a black metal thing more so than what we're talking about, but yeah, but he, he releases like a lot of cool stuff. Like I mean, there was one year where a lot of I had like my top list of the year was like a like almost all sentient rune stuff. Like he has like these years where he knocks out of the park, you know. Yeah, it's definitely kind of uh, um, labels like that where they kind of have um, another one that I kind of know because of this um, project that I'm talking about, the uh, um, Cyclic Law. Yeah, Cyclic Law. Yeah, they're, they're yeah really Cyclic good. Law. Yep. yep. Yeah, they're they're really good, like uh, dark ambient label. Yep. Man, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of the name of that one. The. Um... Yeah, I feel like I feel like I I kind of like it when you have a label. I mean, that has kind of like an identity to it, where a lot of the bands on the label kind of have a similar, I guess, like not exactly the same aesthetic and everything, but kind of a you can see the through line. I kind of like it when you have those labels like that, like Sentient Ruin. I feel like a lot of their stuff, like I can see the through line between like the different, even when they're completely different genres, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it still kind of like ties together. It's kind of a, um, 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 like a stamp of approval where it's like, okay, this label's putting this out. Um, um, uh, for us, um, um, like Sentient Ruins really good at that. Um, but um, for us, the first time that like I've ever had anything that I've done musically kind of like supported by a label happened to be like a label that was like a stamp of approval label for me. And it was I Void Hanger Records. Yeah. And it was like this kind of like weird avant-garde um, experimental metal music. Um, and then, you know, of course, having our first release, you know, first time ever having label support for anything I was doing musically. Um, that was super humbling and it's like, okay, cool. Now I get to all these bands that I kind of were, you know, into and listening to on this label. And it's like to be included. And that was kind of like humbling. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty, that's very cool. Yeah. Season of of mist used to be like that for me, but um, um, nothing against them now, but there's, you know, their catalogs gotten so big that I, you know, you're just bound not to like everything. Um, But season of mist used to be a label that I was, it was kind of like a stamp of approval where I was really digging everything that they were kind of putting out for a while. And, yeah, which I, I still like, do the bulk of it, but yeah, me too. I feel like, I feel like particularly the last two years, they've kind of expanded a little bit beyond like, you know, like there was a period where pretty much like particularly like, I mean, last year, a lot of stuff on my list was season of mist. And even this year they put out a lot of really good stuff, but yeah, kind of, they kind of expanded the, the line, you know, outside of, some of the way what they were doing before so it's like now like i definitely there's some stuff that i'm like not liking as much as as other stuff you know what i mean yeah 
Yeah. But, you know, again, it's like every once in a while I check something out. If I haven't heard it and I see a new signal come up. Yeah. I, Deborah Morta used to make that for me too, like where they were definitely able that everything they put out pretty much I like. But the last couple of years, they've been putting out some stuff that they put out stuff I like, you know, like they put out Blue Doss Nord and, you know, things like that. But then the Amenta. The Amenta, yeah. And like my uh, my friend, my friends in Aklis, you know, are on, on Deborah Morta. And it's like, yeah. um, but then they've also put out some stuff this year that I like did not like at all. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> no, um, that Eclipse album is, you know, definitely a masterpiece. Um, stoked to hear what they do next. Um, you know, I kind of, um, I loved Nightbringer. Um, that was another one of those two. They weren't really on that label, but um, getting a little sidetracked. But the, uh, um, is it, uh, Light of the Morning Star, have you heard them? They're on that label. Yeah, that, that's a great yeah. band. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and it's that whole record too. You know, it's, you know, be, being drawn to uh, um, a lot of the uh, vampire archetypes and stuff, and it's like that whole album kind of revolves around that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a really unique album, and uh, I'm really drawn. I do like a lot of that kind of stuff that has that kind of like goth metal feeling where it's kind of influenced by feels in the film and that type of stuff right, like yeah. i'm into i'm into those kind of you know i love moon spell and all that kind of stuff as well so yeah i like you know moon spell too um yeah, even like some of their uh newer stuff and it's it's funny where it's like bands um um uh, where you kind of uh um like I, I have a very specific memory of, um, you know, you when you were younger and you were taking stuff over, and you know you would just hang out with friends and exchange music and kind of share stuff. Um, and a friend of mine, um, very specifically, was like Brian. I think you, you'll like this, and I forget which Moonspell record it was. It wasn't one of their older ones. It was like whatever it was at the time. I think it was like it was like Darkness and Hope or. The antidote. Um, this is like early two thousands, you know, because it's like you know you're still young, you're still in. Uh, I think I think it probably yeah. I mean that was the early two thousand stuff was like uh, darkness and hope. Uh, the antidote. Uh, I think the antidote. That one though, maybe yeah. I'm just so bad with album names. Yeah, that's that's all about like vampire stuff. Yep. Yeah. Probably yeah, because then because that one after that was memori memoriam or whatever. Right. And then yeah. Eternal. Probably early two thousands. It was it was probably an antidote, though. I would imagine. I would imagine because that came out like two thousand three or two thousand four. Yeah, I think so. That's it. Well, well, either one of those albums is sick. So you know, I like I yeah. like those albums too. Like, I liked one of their new uh, one of their newer ones too. I heard a couple, like you know, it's like catchy. It gets kind of stuck in your head. It's good. Yeah. Um. I, I don't. The only their newest album that just came out. Last year, I think it was was I, I didn't like it very much. I, I probably need to go back and revisit it. You know, I'll give well, them the benefit of doubt. I don't know if I get more than a once a once over. Yeah, but then um, the one before that was pretty good. The sixteen sixty two or whatever. But then I really liked uh, Extinct the album before that. Yeah, that's the that, that's the one I really like too. Yeah, it's got yeah. some catchy songs on. It. I think even that title track is uh, um, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a really killer album. Like the one before that was really good, and then yeah, the uh, pretty much. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of pretty much all all their stuff for the most part. You know, like 
I think that they do a good job. And, um, of course I really like, I like I love the, the Seth zero artwork for, for extinct too. Like I really yeah. like his art. Yeah. Yeah. He was another one of those ones that was, uh, um, 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 like, uh, you know, I liked his visual art more than, um, like I liked some septic flesh, but it's very, you know, uh, especially these days for me, it's nothing against it. It's just kind of hit or miss with me. Um, but his visual artwork is still amazing. I like everything he's still doing now. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, like the albums he did for paradise lost or thinker, like killer, like just amazing art pieces of art. And yeah, I actually have a, um, art book version of the great mass so it has that album in it but then it has like a whole art book of all of Seth Ciro's art like in this really fine nice printed paper like it's really beautiful art book wow yeah and uh yeah, I like that, was, into that. that was like one of the the last ones that I was really stoked on yeah that's the great the, yeah that's my favorite septic flesh album I do like the albums afterwards, okay, but that's the last one where I was like all about it, you know. Yeah, I, I'm um, uh, um, not exclusively, but a lot of that kind of uh, gothic slash symphonic, uh, more symphonic than the gothic stuff when I was younger. But uh, like that's always been my kind of like bread and butter, like I go back to all the time, and uh, um, you know, kind of grew, you know, gateway bands like Cradle of Filth and Demi Bourdieu at the time and stuff like that. And, um, Septic Flesh was kind of doing that, but like a little bit, you know, especially what's the one before the great mass that's got like, is it communion or is it the song? Uh, communion. Yeah. Yeah. When I first heard that, that was like right up my alley. I was like, Oh man, I've been waiting for this for a while. You know, it's like, yeah, trying yeah. To, like, you know, a little bit more of a death metal, especially with the vocals and stuff, but then like had that huge orchestra sound and stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, when I first got into black metal, definitely like, the i don't know why I, that symphonic stuff like you know was just was one of the gateway things for me as well like emperor and oh yeah all that kind of stuff yeah and i mean i still um i still jam cradle filth and demi borgir to this day i mean i don't, I don't give a fuck people yeah no people can talk all <laughs> um i cradle is uh that's that's a band that i kind of grew up listening to um i got to see them do that uh uh, they just did a tour here a couple years ago where they played that album from start to finish. Is it Cruel Cruelty and the Beast? And Beast? Yeah, I wish I, yeah. I, I'm kicking myself for missing that because that's my favorite album from them. Like, it was like whoever, you know, it's pretty much just Danny um, at this point as far as original members go. But the band that he gets, and I realize it changes a lot, um, he gets kind of the best of the best musicians and um, he's still got it vocally. Um, but even just his lyric writing back in like on the, those albums and stuff, you know, afterwards and stuff, some of my favorite lyrics to date, you know, just his way of writing. It's, uh, yeah, you know. I'm cool. And the beast, like I, the lyrics are amazing. Like it really tells the story of Elizabeth Bathory in a really great way. And, uh, you know, Bathory Aria, I think is probably my favorite cradle filth song hands down, you know, and like, um, the just the atmosphere on that album is perfect like and it's funny because generally i don't like 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 the tinier drums like that album has pretty kind of you know clickety drums you know but but for some reason it works for me even you know even though they did that remaster that has like the the drum sound a bit more full and you know technically it does sound better but 
there's something kind of dungeon-y about the original mix that I kind of I kind of like the thinness in a weird way. Yeah, I, like I, works. I've been kind of, when I've especially like leading up to that show, I was kind of revisiting that remaster one quite a bit just because. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's um, it's good. I mean, it's the album. It actually does technically sound a little better. So yeah, the um, but yeah, the I don't know. I I love the artwork for that album with like the 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 girl in the 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 like the tub, yeah, the tub of blood. Yeah, I don't know why I've always just I just been attracted to that whole kind of imagery of like <laughs> you yeah, know that's kind of how it got me was uh, at least in the case of them was. Uh, um, I had heard them before, but it wasn't like, uh, you know, I was, I was into bands like Emperor and stuff, but it wasn't like, um, uh, you know, now we're talking like, uh, mid to late nineties. So I'm, 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 I don't know how old you are, but it sounds like we're similar. I'm 37. Uh, Six, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Similar age. So it's like, uh, um, a lot of that stuff wasn't as tangible as it is now, like accessible. Like we had record stores, you could go there, but it wasn't like, like I was a fucking kid. I didn't have money, like, and let, let alone to like go to these record stores all the time. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the stuff I was listening to and hearing was because of like friends from school or like people, you know, acquaintances at the bus stop. And like, like that's kind of how I heard about cannibal corpse for the first time was like, and uh, like early middle school was just, somebody had like Brian check this out and it was like you know the fuck the unleashing the bloodthirsty album cover and i was like oh what is this this is awesome <laughs> you know yeah. and then like listening to it for the first time it was like uh, okay well this is you know it grow it grew on you but um um bands like cradle it was always like the like the album artwork it was always the imagery and stuff like that where it made you want to listen to it made you want to check it out yeah and um i think you know i had heard them before but i was kind of like yeah um, but it wasn't until, um, you remember like music choice, like those channels that would be on that you would just turn on and they would have like certain music stations. I'm sure they still have them today, but, um, it was kind of like an early adapter of like, yeah, um, their cover of, uh, hollow be thy name, right. uh, was like, the first song where I was like, cause I was an Iron Maiden fan. Um, that was like the first time where I was like, okay, this band is, you know, kind of made me go back and like give them another chance was because of that. And. When I saw them, they actually covered that, okay, which cool. I never, I never thought I'd get to hear them cover it, but it was awesome. Yeah, they do pretty good covers. I like their cover of like "No Time to Cry" and um, some of their other covers. I feel like they do a pretty good job on them. Yeah, and I like yeah. um, um, bands that do the covers well and kind of make it their own while still paying respect to the original. Yeah, uh, yeah. The like most the recent Amenta album is really good. Um, yeah, it's, it's all covered. Yeah, the exception of, like, I think, a song or two, but... Um, I think there's, like, yeah. two new songs and the rest is covers, and the covers yeah. are really interesting. Killing Joe cover is awesome. Yeah, and then the cover of the Alice in Chains song is really cool, too. Yep, yeah, that one too, yeah. Yeah, actually, with, with Cradle, I mean... I thought like their last couple, well, I, their newest album, I haven't given as much of a listen to, but the album Cryptiania, I thought was like um, almost as good as their old stuff. Like it was like. That's really kind of how, how I feel about their most recent one. Um, again, I'm terrible with names, but the, um, you know, it's like the awesome cover of like the demon that's like sitting on a shitter and it's like yeah. ingesting all these beautiful naked women, like shitting them out. And there's like, 
this apocalyptic thing happening in the background. Um, but that album's actually really good. There's tons of good stuff on it. Um, Hammer uh, Witches was good too, the one before Kryptonia. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, they just they still have kind of good stuff peppered throughout. But yeah. the newest one is kind of like my favorite thing they've done in a long time. Cool. Yeah, I need to give it more of a listen. Like when it came out, it was just wasn't quite in the mood, you know. Because I always try to give stuff a chance when like when I'm in the mood for that kind of thing, you know. Like, yeah. um, but I mean, honestly, I feel like all of their albums have their moments. Even like Nymphetamine has some good stuff and Thornography. Like, actually, you really like that album a lot. You know, a lot of people don't, but I like the Nymphetamine one a lot, and then Babylon AD, like that early two thousands era. Like, yeah, like, I think um, a lot of people checked out after Midian it seems like, but that was kind of like, uh, Midian was like the first one that like, I was actually, um, paying attention to and, you know, looking forward to, and then that one came out, you know? So it's like, I had given some of their previous stuff a chance and it just wasn't the right time for me. Um, and then it was like, you know, I said, I heard that cover and it made me go back and reevaluate and the, you know, loving all their visual art and all that kind of stuff. And then Midian came out and Midian kind of hit me at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. I like Midian, um, Damnation in a Day. That's a good album. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, yeah. That. AD. Sorry. That's a song name. But. That's a song from the album. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that's a really cool album. And it's all about, you know, the fall of Lucifer and the Garden of Eden. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of the topics are from Paradise Lost. And, I mean, lyrically, it's really, very really cool lyrics and you know like um i feel like the thing is that you know even like godspeed you uh godspeed on the devil's thunder is a great album all about guild array you know like all their albums are have their have some good stuff to it and i feel like they're actually very consistent band where um they haven't really changed their sound really all that much particularly since midian but you know like even even with the earlier stuff, I mean, like, uh, and then you get to, like, Nymphetamine, like, the original guitar player who was on, like, the first album came back, you know, so you could tell, like, on Nymphetamine and Thornography and stuff, it, it's got that original guitar player, has some of that thrashy elements that they had on the early stuff, you know, like. Wasn't it, um, the guy that's in Mayhem now, wasn't he in that Thornography album? I can't remember when Ghoul, yeah, I'm not sure which album he was on, to be honest. It was one Cradle of Filth album, I remember, but um, yeah, I just yeah. can't remember which one of you was on. It would have probably been, might have been around that era because he joined Mayhem for Esoteric Warfare, which was twenty seventeen. Was it? I thought it was like earlier than that. Uh, Daemon's amazing, though. That's one of my most, you know, his favorite thing that they've done recently. Yeah, I feel like that was like. For me, I mean, I do like, you know, Chimera and Ordo Adkeo and Esoteric Warfare and stuff. I do like that stuff, but I felt like Damon was like, that's more like what I want to hear from Mayhem, if that makes sense. You know, like, you know, Demon Serious Samsathanas is my favorite black metal album of all time. Like, Damon feels like a sequel to it in a lot of ways, while not just copying it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, They're still great live, too. I just saw them like a, month ago here with Channel Torps, but um they're they're still a fantastic live. Yeah. I s I've seen them in, like three times. I'd missed them that that show, but I've seen them a bunch of other times. I saw them with Watain a few times and 
Yeah, I've seen that with the, probably that same tour here, but um, Attila's one of my favorite vocalists, like contemporaries doing it today. Me too, uh, yeah. That Void of Voices thing that he's doing is pretty awesome. Um, yeah. He's just doing like a lot of vocal looping. Um, you know. I love his work with, with Sun as well. Like, Oh, yeah. I never got to see him with Sun, but... Um, me neither, but I, yeah. I love the albums that he's done with them. Or even... Uh, uh, Recently became reacquainted with it. Uh, Aborum, 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 yeah, Aborum. Really that album that he did with them, and it's I've been going back to that a lot recently. It's really good, yeah. Like, 2004, early 2001, or whatever it is. That stuff's really good. That's definitely kind of I for me, I have like this kind of association with certain bands where it's like you got like Anonymous Thrak, Mysticum, Aborum, where they're kind of similar, like it's kind of like the purposely right. kind of like electronic industrial drums you know like got a similar type of hateful atmosphere to the music you know like kind of a, you know i don't know I, for some reason i was just kind of a, have like this pocket in my head of these types of bands that that use drum machine in that way you know what i mean yeah which is um you know we were talking about no other tongues um that album that he did with uh dragged into sunlight um you know kind of has a little bit of that kind of theme to it too where it's still has like um you know um lots of like that kind of like electronic sound to it and stuff with um but still having drums to it and whatnot but yeah that's a really good uh good one he did i also like his alker deal one he did the Oh, you know, I, I've not heard that one yet but i do know that band um that band has uh they they use that um that famous uh, woodcut of like the demon bending over and farting. And I was like, what the fuck is this? This looks awesome. And then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should check uh, out the, yeah, I think it, it was Alcadil, right? That the Nada Tongues did. No, he did. I just, I, for some reason, I kind of escaped me and I haven't listened to it yet. But... Yeah. Yeah. That, that was actually, ironically, um, one of the, the first things I heard from, from, um, uh, from Nother Tongues was was yeah, the the Yoda SMO one with Alcar deal like just because like my friend showed it to me and then he showed me other Nother Tongues stuff like the same time we were driving up and there's like this haunted uh road up here in Denver called Riverdale Road and it's like it's supposed to be like a haunted road you know it's pretty creepy and there's definitely weird stuff that happens there but um so we we're driving up this like creepy dark supposedly haunted road listening to Nother Tongues so it was pretty perfect. <laughs> And that's how I first heard them for the very first time. Um, um, you have to do me a favor and excuse me for a second while I use the restroom, if that's okay. Yeah. One one thing I'd love to hear is a collaboration with the body and not their tongues. Like, and I don't know why that hasn't happened yet because that would be perfect. Yeah. Um, man, when did I just see them? Um, they, they did like a, a split album with, um, that band, uh, full of hell. Yeah. Uh, they did a, uh, um, um, like they, I think they did a series of shows, but I had to see them play together. Um, and it was actually, it was pretty awesome, but yeah, seeing the body and I mean, the body sounds like, I, I think they do all, like quite a bit of collaborations, but one with all their tongues would probably be amazing. I feel like that would be the per like a perfect collaboration. I mean, they're both very similar page with the atmosphere of their music and how dark and fucked up, you know, the stuff they make is, you know, so it's just like, I'm surprised right. it hasn't happened yet. 
Yeah, I really I like a lot of the bodies collaborations, like the one they did with Thou, or the ones they did with Thou, and um, I really like the one he they did he did with what they did with Krieg. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, their newest album is actually really good too, Krieg. Yeah, the new one is really good. Like, I really like the atmosphere that 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 he puts in his music. It has that kind of really bleak, dark feeling to it, you know. Yeah, tra uh, transient was um, amazing too. Oh yeah, transient, and I loved the isolationist as well. Yeah, I actually feel like, in a way, Krieg has gotten better over time. You know, like I would agree. Yeah, I got into Krieg with you know Destruction Ritual and Sono Lo Schwerno and you know that's that era. I think Black House was like the newest album when I got into him, and um, I love all that stuff too. It's good, but I definitely feel like in a lot of ways. Like the isolationist was like the arrival of like a kind of more mature writing style for for Neil Jameson. You know what I mean? Like it just felt really like mature and really like well thought out and put together. Where a lot of the older stuff was kind of chaotic and you know. Yeah. But I mean, Black House is great. I know a lot of people that's their favorite album, but um, but I actually I really do think Isolationist Transient are like amazing. Yeah, I'd say Transient for sure, um, and even Isolationist, but. Um, I really like that project, uh, like that um, uh, project they had. Uh, I think it was just called Twilight. Right. Yeah, the one for the the black metal guys. Yeah, and Thurston Moore and stuff. Yeah. Um, Are you a fan of uh, Leviathan and? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Lurker of Chalice and oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Um, that's a, one of those ones that I feel like he gets better too with, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know if we'll ever get another release from him. Unfortunately, it seems, but, um, that, um, that most recent album that he put out was amazing. Yeah. Although I'm always going to have a really huge soft spot in my heart for 10 sub level suicide. It's like, I love that. Yeah. But yeah. I actually feel like I could hear a little bit of Leviathan influence on particularly the first fell ruin album when I was listening to it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thanks for saying so. Yeah. I yeah. Know, something about it kind of had reminded me of that feeling that I get listening to the early Leviathan stuff, you know? Yeah. No, um, I, I think all the guys in the band would probably say thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we're, you know, um, Jeff's, uh, um, amazing at what he does. Um, I, I just, I want him to, you know, it seems like he's, uh, uh, in a different, you know, again, I don't know the guy, I don't know anything, but it seems like he's in a, um, like that project comes from a genuine place and it seems like he's in a different place right now. So we, it might be a while if ever we ever get another album from him, but, um, that Lurker of Chalice album has been, um, you know, talking about like what, you know, seasonally or whatever it is, like what things you're kind of into. And that's one that I keep kind of going back to the most out of his, kind of creative output yeah the worker chalice album is a classic yeah uh, one thing that i'll always forever kick myself is that i had back in i don't know 2007 or 2006 or something like that i they i went to a record store and they had the worker chalice album on vinyl and i didn't buy it and to this day i still kick myself for not buying it because i was the original pressing like you know southern word pressing was like like to this day, I'm like, man, I should have bought that album, you know, because nowadays that album's like kind of hard to get, you know. Yeah, they still haven't repressed it yet, have they? You can get it on Bandcamp, but 
suppose on the band campus says funds will go to you know a reprint with like the demos but that came out like four five four years ago or something like on Bandcamp. so yeah i don't know if anything's happening there but yeah I would, love, I would love to have um a real proper reprint of that with all the demos i mean they just did that that demo box set with all the all of the demos in the box set, which I really wanted to get, but I just couldn't couldn't afford it when it came out. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah. Um, was the uh, was that other thing? Wasn't he in? Uh, um, I know he's not really into the live thing, but wasn't he actually playing drums with some band live for a while? I'm not sure. I know he was early before Leviathan. He was in um, a, like a post-hardcore like noise rock band in san francisco and i can't remember the name of it hmm. yeah, I, I don't know if since then he's played live band or not i'm not sure hmm. yeah, yeah. He's, he's just a fucking yeah he's an incredible artist like i always tell people it's like i remember the first time listening to 10 sub level and tentacles of horror because those are the only albums are out when i got into them and it was like um listening to those albums first time i was actually kind of scared you know like i felt that that weird sense of fear like creeped out feeling like listening to it the first time remember that I remember being like you know what was i like 17 or something and putting on those albums and actually feeling like kind of like creeped out by them but i love yeah. it you know but it was like they had a genuine kind of horrific quality to them which you know, I, I love that. I mean, it doesn't really affect me the same way now, like in the same exact way, because it can't really replicate that first time listening to something necessarily. But even Tentacles of Horror, though, to this day, there's some parts on it that really are really super kind of fucked up and creepy feeling, you know, just the feeling you get from the music. Yeah. No, he's um, truly done some amazing stuff and I, I would say out of like in, in the world of like the one man black metal entities or one man band in generals it's he's still probably you know still probably king in my opinion yeah he's one of the best for sure yeah. um i liked i like disaster as well like the early earlier stuff um it's funny because i actually hadn't listened to disaster in a long time like i I just, like I just was like I just hadn't listened to them in probably like five or six years or something, and then relatively recently I actually like went back and revisited some of like to violate the obvious and stuff, and uh, I still like those albums. Actually, it's just a cool, cool atmosphere to like you know telepathic deceased and funeral being and all that stuff. Like I still like the I feel like Zastra's music is more atmosphere. It's more creating like a mood. It's almost like ambient music in black metal form, you know, like as opposed to like the thing with Leviathan I like is that it's still got rock and like riffs and, you know, heavy parts and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like it's more like more like true black metal where Zaster I feel like is like cla like cla neo like almost like classical music played through black metal or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um even um, um, more recently, as far as like kind of like current releases that I'm into that kind of like achieve what you just kind of described there. Um, have you listened to that, uh, the newest uh, Mani, if I'm pronouncing it right, Manny? 
Oh yeah, Manny. Yeah, Manny. Again, I never have to say these. Yeah, they're one of my favorites, kind of right now. Um, Especially that newest one. It's like one long song. It's like you know, that's a really um, good one. That that really takes you right back to the late '90s black metal. You know, like it has that feeling of like a lot of the classic albums. Well, I mean, it is the guy who was in the original main, you know, mains or Manny's or whatever project before it went down the that project went down the weird you know whatever i like i did i did like that uh slow motion death sequence album um but i'm more of a fan of this return to form under this banner yeah i it it feels like the the mani project feels like a continuation of the first mains album you know right which i i really like and uh Talking about labels that are uh, imprint of of something I like, Territory Possessions, who released that album, like pretty much nine times out of ten, if they release it, I'm gonna like it. They have a few exceptions here and there, stuff that I don't like that much, but generally, I'm gonna listen to everything they put out because he usually he's usually on the money for me, you know. Right. Yeah. Um. Even, like a lot of that, I noticed your hoodie, but even like a lot of that Norwegian scene. Um. They did a showcase in New York in 2015 that it was like two labels kind of came together and like put together a fest and it was like bands from both labels. Um, uh, so um, like one tail, one head headlined it one night and then like Sinmara headlined it the next night. Okay. So it was like, was like the, the, was it kind of like the Icelandic bands and, uh, and then the, yeah. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of it. It was a. I think Sin Morrow was the only um, Iceland band on it at that time. Okay. But um, I'm trying to think of what the name Disassociative Visions was the name of the fest, and it was at Saint Vitus for two days. Um, but it was like a lot of that territory. Uh, ter- again, I never have to say this out loud. Uh, yeah. Yes, ter- that ter- one. Ter- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love all that stuff. Like, yeah, Celestial Bloodshed, my hoodie, and. Uh, you know, um, chaos ritual, uh, mare, and you know, yeah, like, uh, um, so Tiglio was one that uh, played, um, they're, I don't think they were on that label, but that was another one, yeah, uh, no, that band, yeah, Sortiglia, yeah, and then, um, I think it also had, um, uh, U.S. bands like Vanum and Predatory Light. Okay, yeah. And they were all kind of sharing members at the time. Um, yeah, v- Vanum and a lot of those bands are part of it. That's a cool like little group of guys up there in New York. That they're all like in each other's bands, but they're all pretty cool bands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, there, there was one, I think it's called like Vorder. V-O-R-D-R. I think that's the name. I'd have to look, but that's one of those that's one of those uh new york bands and um it's re- that's really cool like uh my friend ralph from the band old Day, you know he he sent it to me and it basically um uh it basically sounds like um it's kind of in the vein of a very dark version of like it has a little bit of the mysterious quality but then it has this kind of other quality too of like um it's really hard to explain, but it's really it's my list. 
really really good i'm going to make sure that's the right name yeah vor uh no vorder is it's not the right name um something there's like people, that there's people listening to this and then they're, they're just yelling out the band name over top of it right now <laughs> yeah oh it's it's a vord v-o-r-d-e <laughs> okay it does sound kind of familiar i think i've actually seen it around but i don't know if i've listened to it yet yeah this album is really really good um like just really dark really menacing super abyssic type of atmosphere to it i think you'd like it a lot like and that they're part of that same group of like you know phantom and um yellow eyes and all those bands. yeah i think there's a couple other ones too but um yeah, I'm like forgetting, forgetting all, all because they have like there's like five <laughs> bands and but it's like the same like four guys or something and are all just in each other's bands or whatever. Yeah, um, um, I like uh, Yellow Eyes a lot. We played with them once upon a time. Um, um, and then that like uh, one of those Vanham uh, Van albums too. Um, I'm trying to think of um, who else played it. Oh, um, uh, Luvio is the band I was trying to think of. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And then you oh, got yeah. Like, then you got bands like yeah, like uh, I just looked up like Yellow Eyes, Vanum, Vor that Boardwin, Ashbor, Ashbor. Yep, that's another Fel one. Fell voices. An a new addition to their their lineup of bands is a band called ruin lust okay yeah that's on um is it sentient ruin or is that profound lore let me look i didn't uh, realize that was them though but i've heard that that's really good yeah the new album was on 20 bucks spin okay um i think i think all their let me double check but uh yeah most of their albums have been on 20 bucks spin so the um yeah, the Dissimulant album is sick. That's like one of the best death metal albums this year, I feel like. And in a year of a lot of great death metal, I was like really into that Ruin Last album. Yeah. Um, trying to think of what else. There, there's so much good stuff. Um, um, kind of, uh, not really death metal, but um, as far as like favorite releases this year, that Dodeemstart has been another big one for me. Um, I, I know it's been kind of like a, Splitting the fence a lot, but it's my favorite thing they've ever done. Um, but uh, as far as death metal, so death metal is like um, uh, like black metal. You can kind of like throw the same shit at me all the time, and I'll be like, "Oh yes, this is awesome." <laughs> death metal it kind of takes like a little bit more with me these days, where it's like I, you know, it's you know, I think it's more just the, the the vibe and the mood that like black metal kind of encases, kind of goes a lot farther with me where it's yeah. like um um i kind of need that with my death metal you know like yeah yeah but there's been a lot of pretty good death metal, really great death metal this year you had like the i actually really like the new incantation album a lot you know because oh, kind of really you know yeah and um you got like um normally i don't like this band i haven't really liked this band in the past but the new dying fetus album is actually pretty good and I don't really like that band, but I, my friends like was like, 
everybody I know was like raving about it. So I finally put it on. I was like, you know, this is pretty good. <laughs> you know, like it's really good. And even yeah. like that, uh, you know, just saw both bands last night, but uh, Angentation and that new Suffocation record is actually really good too. It's yeah, new probably the best thing they've done in a while. Yeah. And actually the, the new Cryptopsy album was pretty good. Yep. Um, yeah. So I digress. Yeah. There's quite a bit of good death metal this year. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Werewolves. They're from Australia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, really uh, I listened to that. Uh, um, uh, Jackie's uh, Into the Necrosphere every once in a while. And that's a band that he always kind of raves about. So I kind of check them out. And yeah. Um, just that whole Australia down under scenes. Got a lot going on for it. Yeah. There's a lot of really really great bands coming from Australia and I've gotten to know a bunch of guys from Australia this last year and they're all, all really killer guys. So seems oh, like, cool. yeah, just like, yeah, I mean, I just feel like there is a lot of good death metal this year for black metal. I'm really into the, um, Ruim, the new one from Blasphemer. So um, good. So yeah. good. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And of course, the the new Marduk that that's currently my my spoiler spoiler. It's my it's currently my album of the year so far. Is the that really new good Marduk? Too. Yeah, that's, that's really good too. And that's a band that I've always liked. Um, I like them, but it's not like you know they're not always like my go to. Um, but that new record's been kind of on quite a bit here recently. Yeah, well, I'm a huge fan of Marduk and Funeral Mist, so you know I like Funeral Mist a little bit more, to be honest. Right. Yeah. And then. Um, uh, I don't know if you have you heard of the Verminous Serpent. No, that's a cool name though. Side project of Alan from Primordial, the vocalist from Primordial. Okay. And, uh, it's like a really uh, kind of grimy, old school, uh, but with a little bit of a little bit of a twist type of uh, black death stuff. It has like um, one member. So you got it's Alan, and then you got one member from Slidier. And one member from Malthusian. Okay, yeah, I like both of those a lot too. Yeah. So, and it's really old school. It was recorded live, like they just recorded the whole album straight through, twice, and they picked the best takes. Okay. Everything live, like the whole That's thing. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's it's really sick, and it's got a really cool atmosphere. You know, with this kind of raw, like dirgy dingy satanic kind of quality to it like it kind of it has these moments where it's not really quite bestial black metal but it kind of borders on it here and there but then it's got these yeah. like really old school almost like black yeah black death elements like it's and that's really new cool. that just came out yeah it just came out wow okay so that's that's in my top 10 and yeah. actually made quite the list here to kind of yeah. go into and uh, the new primordial as well so Alan primordial is going to have two albums in my top 10 for sure because New Primordial is a sick album. Very sick album. I'll have to give it another go. Uh, Primordial, if I confess, is not usually something I'm too into sometimes, but I do like some of their stuff. Um, then, um, but uh, you, you mentioned that sli uh, slider, slider. Um, yeah, that that new album is really good. Yeah, uh, I think that was actually a band that um, played that festival too. I was talking about earlier too. Now that I'm thinking of it. That makes um, sense because they're kind of part of the same same scene, I think, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that um, I think it was like that album. Uh, 
Deluge was like from like 2015 or whatever that they put out was really good. Yeah. And Malthusian, of course. Yeah. And then new, yeah, the new Slid Year album, The Light White Heart. That's fucking yep. sick album. Debbie Debbie Morte, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd have to go through my list, but you know, there's like a lot of a lot of great stuff this year. Trying to think of stuff, and then it's like because we're on the spot, I'm not gonna think of it. And it's like, you know, tomorrow I'll be sending you a list of all the shit that I was <laughs> thinking about afterwards. <laughs> yeah, well, I got I have a list on Spotify of um, because I have to be organized because I do for the podcast to do the my top top list. You know what I mean? Yeah. So throughout the whole year, I've compiled like two playlists like one playlist of everything that comes out this year and any genre that that catches my eye you know and then a, a shorter list which has it's been like pared down to the stuff that i really like from that list you know yeah um so yeah so oh are you familiar with the band funerals so it's fv oh yeah that funerals. newest stuff is really good yeah that that's like in my definitely gonna be in my top 10 like yeah. I, love, I love that band they're so good yeah um i had seen that um uh primitive man was doing some european tour dates with them so i checked them out and uh that new album that the, that album came out this year i think right the new funerals yeah it yeah. came out beginning of the year like, really good all their albums are great like wounds is their second album is probably probably still my favorite but i really love this new album i always felt like they to me they sound like if you took nort you know the the funeral doom band and combined it with chelsea wolf did you get a perfect cut that's like in the best you... way in the best way yeah yeah they get yeah. like and i on my radio show i when i'm in that kind of mood i'll like go from like nort into you know into funerals into chelsea wolf and it just works like perfectly or in, in any combination of those things like the it, same way into the other yeah yeah it's like perfect particularly that wounds album because it's got a lot of the piano which nort does a lot so it's like and the last Nort album has cleaner guitars, so it almost has that kind of similar type of feeling as Funerals. It's, I just think it's genius way to genius thing, and just the atmosphere and the vibe like is of Funerals is very like intoxicating in that way. It's just so dark, and you just kind of get lost in it, you know. Like yeah, listen to all the albums over and over again, you know. Yeah, the newest Nort record was really good too. Yeah, I really like that album. I mean, I like all Nort, but that that album was really good. I, yeah. I mean, he needs to make. He need, it was interesting. He kind of went in a different direction because he went from doing longer, more ambient songs to like shorter songs with more of them, which I thought was an interesting direction to go. But I liked it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then see Terrestrial Hospice. That's a really Not good bad. album. Yeah, that, that's a really sick album. Um, really really evil very hateful <laughs> yeah man it, there's a lot of good albums this year uh, i don't know if you're a big fan of suitor but that's that's a band i really like a lot um yeah i like them um i've not really given the new one too much um but like the one the i think it's like Two or three uh, two or three albums ago, you know, including the new one. I can't remember the name of it, but that one's uh, really good too. Antelive. I think that's it. Or is it a Desert Northern Hell is my favorite album from them, but Okay. 
Yeah, they're they're good. Um, you know, again, that's a, that's another band I get to see once too, and they were amazing. Um, yeah. Right, and those two albums. Yeah, they got Antelive, and you got um. I I, I know what you're talking. It's not Antelive. It's the one that has like demonic supremacy and stuff on it. Uh, I can't remember the to, title. Trying to figure it out. The last song in that that album is like amazing. Oh, um, do you know Sodality? The band Sodality. No, yeah, you're really just messing me up with some truth here today. Which one? <laughs> it's, it's called so- Sodality. Sodality. You got to check that out. That's that's really amazing. I don't know if you're a fan of Lucifer, but it's um, yeah, it's the main guy from Lucifer, and then the vocalist from Cults to Ghouls. And, oh wow! Um, and uh, really? yeah, it's really menacing, sinister. You know, it's kind of very orthodox black metal and a kind of similar vein is like the first on album. Like, it's like an interesting combo though. Yeah. It, it's even, really cool. Um, even like, I, I love that kind of, uh, you know, that Lucifer, um, just that, you know, oversaturated with reverb, you know, very cacophonous kind of vocals. Um, yeah. I think you'll like Sodality that you'll have to definitely put on your list to, no, it's not there. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I listen to at least a, it looks like a dozen bands right now. That's good. <laughs> That's this is awesome for this. <laughs> always good, yeah. And, no, uh, it's I get exposed to quite a bit of stuff and like for the bulk of the day, um like I um between, you know, YouTube playlists or Spotify, I'm kind of always looking for new stuff. But yeah. you know, even glad we had this conversation because it still seems like I missed quite a bit. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff that comes out every year, you know, it's like, you know, it's hard to stuff. keep it. Yeah. And uh, a Sodality album came out on Norma Evangelum Diabali. So it's another quality label. I always check out everything. Yeah. And uh, another album that came out on NED this year was it's called Sectarianism. Sectarianism. And uh, I can I recommend that album a lot, too. It's only two tracks. Super dark, super like atmospheric and evil, and yeah, adding, cool. adding that to the list as well. Yeah, it's S E K T A R I S M, sectorism. Yeah, yeah, man. Like this year, Sears uh, Killer. Oh yeah, Earthhouse released an album. That's a good one. Yeah, that was really good too. And from what I understand, that was our last one. Yeah, that's what I got to you, which sucks. I mean, I've been listening to them literally pretty much since they came out. I mean, I remember getting the first two albums. It was early 2000s, you know, like when I got into them. And uh, yeah, it kind of sucks to see them go because, I mean, I felt like they kind of got better and better as they went on. So Yeah, they they were a band that kind of had to grow on me, admittedly. Um, like I really liked it, but it was uh, the way that they were doing their vocals when I first kind of heard it wasn't really my thing, but now i've kind of now i love it it's kind of yeah it's, it's definitely out. an acquired taste you know but i don't know part of me just liked it i just liked how kind of weird and eerie a lot of stuff i really like the very first album with like the ambient pieces on it and the weird like um chanting ambient stuff that's on there like kind of reminds me of august you know like into that so that's what really got me into them and then you know, you get used to the guitar, the metal parts, and then, like I said, I feel like they've gotten better and better as time's gone on. So, yeah. So yeah, it sucks to see them go. 
I'm sure they'll uh, do, you know, maybe not together, but do something. Yeah. Maybe, maybe if one day they'll, they'll uh, get back together. You never know. Yeah. I don't know why they, they decided to call it a day or anything about it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know. I, I always just, you know, I like to assume it's not always because of, you know, hardships as much as if it's, you know, just coming from a place of honesty where it's like a band is kind of, um, you know, run its course and the people are aware of it and they just want to end it on a high note rather than let it drag out for the sake of, you know, dragging it out, you know? Yeah. That's how I feel like, um, about like a band like behemoth where I feel like they should have ended at the Satanist, you know? Cause I, I unapologetically still like behemoth, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not a big fan of their last, last two albums too much. Like their newest one. The Satanist was um, to me. That was like the height of the of the band, you know. Like it was just yeah. an incredible piece of music, you know. I agree. Yeah. No, it's um, uh, again, you know, we were talking about like the visual stuff that kind of goes into bands like Cradle and stuff, and like um, Behemoth always kind of does that as well. Um, yeah. They have and then, some of the best music videos of any band, you know. Yeah. Yes, they do. Um, uh, even like that most recent one. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, they uh, they just played here with, uh, just saw them open up with Danzig and they're an amazing show. Um, I wish that came here because, uh, I mean, even if I'm not a huge fan of the new Behemoth, I'd still see them live because they put on a killer show. I've seen them a few times and it's like, they always put on a good show. Uh, um, I, you know, I, um, I would have loved to see them with Danzig though. I mean, Danzig's my favorite artist, so, you know. It was kind of, you know, kind of like seeing goth Elvis. It was great. Um, yeah. And actually the first time that I saw Danzig live was actually the first time I saw Behemoth live. Um, um, they did like the blackest of the black tour. Yeah. And it was, you know, Danzig. And then this is like before, this is right when he started kind of like having Doyle do guest spots and they would do some misfit songs live. Yeah. Uh, so like 2005 or something like that, I think it was. Um, it would have been, uh, uh, I saw saw him for the first tour. He did that, which was like two thousand seven, I think. What was the first? I think it was the first tour that he had Doyle come out, or oh, okay. might have been. I don't remember. Somewhere around there, yeah. I think the blackest of the black with Behemoth was around that time. Yeah, um, it was Doyle. good though. It was, it was uh, Mortis played, and it was like Mortis doing his industrial stuff. Um, Behemoth, it was like demigod era, and that was like my first time found being able to see them live. Um, yeah, yeah um, we got the opportunity to uh, meet them uh, on the tour, um, Behemoth, and um, they're really good dudes. Um, um, you know, it's definitely like a machine, a big touring machine, but they're very. Uh, um, yeah, they just seem like they genuinely like still love doing it, even if it is, you know. Yeah. The um, I'm, look, I'm just looking real quick to see. Uh, so yeah, it would have been 2005 was when the dark black is the black with Danzig and Behemoth. So I saw him first time Danzig first time in 2007. I didn't know that he was doing stuff with Doyle before that. So he did that for that 2005 tour. Uh, it was like a couple songs. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, um, is that a place here in Detroit called Harpo's, which, uh, 
uh, is kind of uh, world renowned for how shitty it is, but I love it. You try, it's like one of those venues, like it's it's shitty, but like you kind of know what you're getting into by going there. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it was also like a place where, you know, before you were 21, you were going to all the shows and you could walk right up to the bar and you know that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so kind of you know definitely molded me uh but saw tons of great shows there but yeah he uh um uh it would get real quiet nobody would say anything and then all of a sudden like the drummer would start just hitting the kick like to the sound of like a stomp and then doyle walks out to the you know to the beat of the kick drum like he's stomping you know full and then they just break out in a um, few misfit songs and then it was like it wasn't like he wasn't touring with them it was just kind of like a surprise thing it was weird but it was awesome okay yeah, because when yeah. I when I saw him two thousand seven, it was with uh, Gorgeous Frankenstein. So we saw Doyle play with that with his band, and then at the end of the, the for the encore, it was uh, you know five or six Misfit songs. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And now he played uh, when I when I saw Danzig this most. I mean, he's what like seventy now. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's killing like, it. Played yeah. for like almost, I think it was like just about two hours, and then it's just you know they ran through that first album, and then pretty much just played like choice songs off of every album after that. Like they went all the way up. Yeah, he he kills it, man. Like he still sounds good too. Yep. So it's it's crazy to be seventy years old and still sound like as good as he does. Yeah. No, he was great. Um, the one one thing you know, it was like he uh, he's got to treat he's got to treat his bass player with more respect. The way he was talking to his bass player on stage, unacceptable. <laughs> like, I know it's like everyone's like, oh, that's just how Danzig is, and it's like if it's genuine, that sucks. If it's part of the show, that still sucks. You know? Was he like talking shit to the bass player? Yeah, it, it was like you know, but it, it, it was like it it kind of seemed like you know rhetoric, like it's, it might have been part of the show, but it was like you know, he's just, you know, in between every song, he's got something. To say but it's dan's eight so he gets a pass you know <laughs> yeah and then, yeah uh, that's and then playing guitar from uh was it pro um uh prong you have a prong yeah yeah and then they were hey, really good so you're saying so you was it that that show you said you hung out with guys from behemoth yeah we had thing yeah yeah we had like uh kind of uh can't really say much but it had a kind of a quick meeting with them gotcha yeah yeah that's awesome yeah the, yeah, they're cool. Um, good people. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still like I said, I don't, I'm not hate on the new Behemoth, but I'm not. I feel like it's not quite as like quite as killer new as, as the, yeah. Satanist, this, but Satanist is kind of like my favorite thing that they've done. Um, yeah, up to yeah. But I mean, he one thing I'll say with Nurgal is he always manages to get really great artists for his stuff. Like, I mean, the art for "I Love You at Your Darkest" is fucking really good. You know, covering. Yeah. Even like the video stuff on like their most recent ones and stuff is amazing. Um, yeah, like the I like the cover for the new one and and they had like the art and the videos and stuff for it. So he always has a really good visual sense for 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 what they're doing. I feel like, and I feel like they have a uh, um, um, one thing I've always liked about them too is they kind of like um consistently push an album until the next one comes out where they'll, they'll constantly release, you know, videos and sing, you know, content, you know, content around that album. Even, you know, initially when an album gets released, you get your first 
three singles up until the release and then that's kind of it you know yeah. um they've been very good about like even years after until the next one comes out um, well i mean what was it two three years after the satanist came out they did a whole tour of just playing that album for getting in you know so, yeah, yeah. which i really regret not i missed that show and i regret it because i would have loved to have seen them play that album from getting in but i don't know why i missed it for some reason yeah there's a lot um uh, it's hard to kind of keep even like this week here in detroit well just this time of year it, it's kind of like tour season it seems like so it's yeah. like every every other night which is awesome i'm glad things are back in full swing but it is also like um you know being so exhausted overwhelmed is also back in full swing you know where it's like well, there's something every night you're having to choose well like this week i mean two i will this month the same night you got coven and incantation coming so you have to like choose like which one to go to. Like I hate hate when that kind of stuff happens when you get. You no, know, man. Yeah. It, like even uh, so, this past weekend was like the Metallica Pantera weekend here in Detroit, where it's like the, you know, the two uh, two shows over yeah. the weekend. Um, I didn't get to go to either one of them, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I uh, you know I grew up on Pantera. I would love to. I never really got to see him. Um, even. Um, uh, and Metallica, I got to su- I got to see them once when they played a Ryan Fest here in Detroit. That festival they did on Belle Isle here, yeah, um, and that was great. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see them both. You know, but uh, but then it was like Sunday. I went to um, uh, I really liked that band Inter Arma, and they were playing with Full Hell and uh, Wake and stuff. Cool. Uh, but Inter Arma is uh, I don't know if you're really into them or heard them or not, but uh, I've heard um, of it. Yeah. They are one of the best live bands I've ever seen. Nice. Um, if, if you get the opportunity to see them, definitely go. Um, they're just so solid live. They do a, like what seems like a lot of improv live. Uh, Mike's vocals are amazing. Uh, he's also doing vocals for Artificial Brain now. Um, and then also a, uh, well, again, I can't say too much, but uh, <laughs> um, um and then, like last night was the suffocation incantation, and then uh, Friday we're playing with Ulcerate and Alters, and then our friends in Boreworm. Yeah, so, that's, that's awesome. Great. Opening for Ulcerate, that's sick. But yeah, I'm super. Uh, so my friend Don and I, um, who's actually tour managing for Incantation now, uh, he's from here. Um, him and I used to book shows here in Detroit. We used to host and you know do all that stuff. Um, long story short, it just not for me. We just get tired of. It stuff skipping so we decided to start booking um it's really nice to like we hosted ulcerate the last two tours they did so like the 2014 and two, uh, 2061 it's really nice to just kind of show up and play and not have to worry about hosting yeah i'm so, sure <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah hell yeah i was gonna say uh probably need to close out here soon we've been going like three and a half hours now so oh wow holy shit yeah, sorry man get lost we were talking about movies for at least a half of that. Yeah, yeah. that's great. I mean, that, I love all of these kind of long conversations like this. Like, I mean, I feel like we could probably do a whole another one, and not talk about the same stuff at all. So we'll definitely have to. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. We'll thanks for having me. I don't. Uh, I've only done a few of these, but uh, yeah, thanks for asking me to do it and having me on here. Yeah, man, man you're definitely welcome. We definitely would love to have you back on again at some point. So sure, yeah, anytime. Yeah do another one and talk about more shit. And it's great. I really enjoyed this conversation.
Yeah, likewise, man. Um, do you um? Do you have any, so yeah, go on. This episode's going out beginning of January. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug or anything like that before we close out? That comes out uh, at the beginning so, Um, uh, we're playing. Well, by the time, uh, yeah, it's gonna be a while. Yeah, so trying to think of there's a bunch of stuff that's kind of like uh, for next year. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's kind of being talked about. Right. Um, but until it actually, you know, it's it'll be it'll be, like, it'll be like something you can talk about more next time you come on, kind of stuff. Yeah, it'll be like after the fact. Yeah. Um, but uh, doing a lot of music video stuff, uh, a lot of stuff we're excited about. Um, kind of booked for the rest of the year. We have a bunch of stuff that's kind of um, planned for 2024 already, which is awesome, and it's with some bands that's like the biggest stuff we've ever done. Um, oh yeah. And then, um, you know, even on the, like, the visual art side, um, I have a bunch of releases that I've already finished. We're just waiting for it to get announced. Um, so there's some pretty exciting stuff like that. But um, and then with the band, um, um, probably going to do, um, you know, unfortunately, we're not at the point where it makes sense for us to do any like, extensive touring, but we're open to it. Um, so it's mostly like regional stuff as of right now. Um, and we have some stuff that's kind of, again, just in the works where it's like until we actually get confirmation on stuff, you know, so more yeah. regional touring and stuff for 2024. And then we're going to try to, uh, um, we're already like, uh, uh, j- just about three songs into writing a new, um, new material cool. and, you know, with three songs for us, you know, they're longer form songs. So it's quite a bit of material. So. Yeah, I mean, um, your last album was what five songs or six? I forget. Uh, it's uh, uh, six tracks. Two of them is like one's an intro, one's like an interlude, and then like four song songs, you know, but still, yeah, we would consider a full length. Yeah, it's like 40 minutes, you know. If yeah, if you have if you have like four four songs and you're over 30 40 minutes, it's an album, you know. <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I've always kind of like went by like, um if it not really the quantity but if it feels like it's a full thing you know as opposed to well there's like a lot of funeral doom bands where it's like two songs and the album's like an hour long so you know (laughs) that's my thing i love that kind of stuff it's like even that new uh that one of my favorites of this year that new many uh many song uh album um it's one song it's one 30 minute song but it's awesome yeah that's really awesome and it really does feel like one song and just flows from beginning to end yep yeah, that's sick. But yeah, man. Yeah, I get, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me on, and nice to meet you in real life. Nice to meet you too. Yeah, <laughs> and then, uh, we'll definitely do uh, do another new, another part in the near future. So. Cool. Yeah. Thank you again. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yep. Have a good night. You too.
Go!